kind host, Derek McCaw. That's not entirely true now, is it? Well, because this is actually, we're like on the Earth 2 version of tonight's podcast. There's a little bit of a lie in every truth. I feel that this is, you know, right now, we're going to be like that episode of Star Trek with Lazarus. We're in this sort of we're out, be out of phase universe in between. And cord, cosmic corridor. Yes. Um, Anyway, this is Derek McCaw, editor-in-chief of FanboyPlanet.com, and we are podcasting now on Wednesday, July 29th. It's my Aunt Marie's birthday. Happy birthday, Aunt Marie. Happy birthday. <laughs> and anyway, uh, that weird veiled reference this is that <laughs> Rick and I were just making is that we've actually recorded two nights in a row, but unfortunately we had tef- technical difficulties last night, so you're, ha- you're sort of having the recreation the of the spontaneous the conversation. Run-through. We don't normally rehearse our podcast. Dress rehearsal. Maybe we should. <laughs> but we at least the see. tech. So across from me, of course, here at the Brett Cave in, in San Jose. Fumble fingers, Rick Brett Snyder. I don't consider it fumble fingers. It sounded like a like a, a largely it was unavoidable technical order. You know, uh, that's what yeah. it was. So yeah. anyway, here we are. And anything that happens after Wednesday night uh, is completely off limits is complaining about we didn't talk about it. Um, because they're, you know, actually, I am kind of glad there's a little scandal. We're going to talk Comic Con. Oh, good, tonight. a new scandal. But uh, this was actually another convention thing because okay. uh, it was just interesting. I heard at the shop today. But anyway, uh, before I say that, I do say, please ask if you are listening to us on iTunes, please review us, please subscribe, and please tell your friends. You can do the same thing on the Stitcher app as well, or you can find us at www.fanboyplanet.com where we have a page set up for each and every podcast that we do now where you can like and share on facebook follow us there you can tweet the podcast out if you like it that's a new ooh, technological innovation i'm only like four uh, four years behind in programming i'm sorry dave i can't do that no you can't and then of course there is pod bay and there's still another one that i'm forgetting that just that just we just got added by another new one. Oh, a new one um podcast audio something, I, something like that it's on the page that's what's embarrassing i oh. just put it on the page because they said they asked hey we've been requested to carry you can will you, you advertise this back advertise back and sure. so it is on the page uh but anyway uh but if you're there at the page go ahead and listen because there it is you can download it directly where we also have amazon links to items that are re- either directly what we've talked about on our podcast or related to the things we've been talking about so that if you cannot find them at your local comic shop or small business, you may use the Amazon link. You may. I like I have the right to give you that permission. You please, I beg you, please use the Amazon link because we get a very small kickback percentage of the sales we make through that and uh, it helps to pay for hosting and well, I'm pretty much hosting at Please, this point. Please, sir, I have a little <laughs> yeah. more post. I'm not, I'm not even doing that Kickstarter campaign to get me back to New York. Uh <laughs> 
can't remember what the reason was for that. Was that the New York Comic Con that I was thinking about trying to do? New York? It was uh, the Spider-Man thing. But that was years ago. I, yeah. like, I, I don't know what, what am I living for now. Oh, the, you, wanna go to, you wanted to go to uh, Comic Con, New, New York, York Comic Con. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, no, I want to go to London. I want to go to the Harry Potter experience. Anyway, um, so let's try that. Uh, let's see what happens with the Amazon links and the PayPal pal link as well. You may donate some money that way. Just a dollar or two here if you are enjoying what you're listening to on the Fanboy Planet podcast and enjoying all the fantastic articles that are on www.fanboyplanet.com. What are we now, 52 and counting yeah. in terms of Comic-Con coverage? Uh, and uh, I'm, I'm going to be tweeting out. You, you do want to follow us on Twitter because I will be tweeting out from time to time uh, our Comic-Con specific index page so you can find just that and all the articles that are directly Comic-Con related. As we it's, are it's still s- way actionable stuff. Still I mean. going. Uh, well, I know. <laughs> actionable. We're getting sued? No, 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 no. <laughs> things you can act But upon. other things have been happening and other news has been happening, including, here's the thing. So, I, I by the way, got an email today from Heroes and Villains, uh, the fan experience that's going to be coming in San Jose in November. Mm-hmm. I still don't know much, so we're going to be following up. But at least they reached out to us and, and said, you know, hey, are you aware? Would you, would you talk about this? So we're going to talk about it. I think fan fast right. We're going to have to talk about it a little in detail in a couple of weeks when more has come when we out. Have a little more detail, but they have added more guests. They okay. they do have. Uh, so we already had Caitlin. We had Stephen Amell. We had um, Katie Lorenz. Caitlin Lorenz, the uh, Black Canary. Yeah. Uh, and I think uh, Arsenal or Speedy, one of one of the sidekicks. I think it was Arsenal. Now they both are. John okay. Barrowman has joined. Oh my! And. Uh, Caitlin Snow, uh, the actress who plays her on Flash. So a couple of Flash cast members have joined right. as well. So what I still don't know, and I, you know, if I sound a little tentative in promoting this, it's because I still don't know. They're, this is new for them. They are the people that organize Walker Stalker Con, or as they like to say, the people that redefined horror conventions by making you run. What fans want to run at a convention? You're killing me. <laughs> I talked to my friend Tony Caballero about that. He went through the Walking Dead experience a few years yeah. ago and said, yeah, the, it, they changed it. The one that Nate went through was different than what he had gone through years earlier. It was like, yeah, I had to run. And then I got tagged and killed. And I was a zombie. And it was bad. I, you know, I, I intended to survive, but they made me run. But if you're curious as to what it's now, you can go to Fanboy Planet and find the video yeah. from last year. From Nate's GoPro, GoPro. GoPro last year. The entire. Yeah. Uh, well, they change it up each year. They right. change the plot each year. So the 2014 plot was there was what Nate went through. Right. Uh, and if I had realized they changed the plot, I would have sent Nate through again this year. But uh, it, I, I didn't know. I thought, you know, hey. You got one zombie experience, go. and you've gone through them all. Because, you know, we forgot to mention, they, they, they had to cancel the zombie walk this year because of last year the uh, where the uh, drivers, the, the, the deaf couple driving the car, yeah. that panicked when the zombie walk came by and they oh, hit a zombie. Yeah. So that kind of thing is canceled at Comic-Con. But anyway, we'll let you know more about Back to Heroes and Villains when we know more. They're talk, They're promising all kinds of... And they sound like experiences that require athletic exertion. Yeah, they did. Uh, yeah. Uh, so uh, find out what those I'm are. I'm imagining a lot of inflatable walls. I'm actually wondering if they're going to have, at some point you're going to have to do the the chin-ups that he does with the pole and go to the next level of the ladder each time and see how many. Wait, no, there's a word for that. 
write into editor at fanboyplanet.com and tell me. I know there's a word for that exercise. Oh, I know, I know there is. I, but I, I don't remember what it is. But I know exactly what you're talking about. But I'd love to see how many fans can actually do that. Well, I'll tell you. What, I'll tell you how many can't at this table. Two. Two. <laughs> so, anyway, I might be able to go down. <sighs> okay. Um, uh, right in for those deep sighs. Anyway, uh, I should have that as an audio file, just my lurch. <laughs> anyway, so we, we have that. But the the gossip that I heard today about Galacticon up in Seattle, uh-huh. there's apparently... Uh, so uh, this is the thing. We talked about, uh, I think, I maybe we, it was last night and what was lost. We were talking about feeling a little conned out because you come back from yeah. Comic-Con and as much as you love it. And then and it was, uh, last week was actually Debbie... Uh, Debbie Brechtschneider, the lovely and talented Debbie Brechtschneider, whose kindness is the reason we can record here, uh, said, you know, had pointed out heroes and villains. And I just kind of went, I don't even want to look at it because I'm conned out, you know, just because I'm exhausted. We have D23 coming up. That was exactly my reaction when you said Galacticon in Seattle. There's Ape coming up here, the Alternative Press Expo, the same weekend. Which is an entirely different type of conference, though. Ape, Ape, I can... Ape Although, is, uh, the Valiant 25th anniversary tour is going to be coming to Ape. Uh, so, I'm going to have to be careful how we schedule uh, panels at Convolution, mm-hmm. which is the same weekend, because now I do want to go yeah. to Ape for one day to check in there and to see the guys at Valiant, because if you're not reading Valiant books, you are missing out. They're really, really good stuff. But anyway, Galacticon, which is a Battlestar Galactica convention. Apparently, there have been uh, three so far. Uh, the first one was co-founded by Richard Hatch, who was, of course, gonna, the original I was, Apollo. I would have put money on that. He is no longer involved directly. He's gone as a guest, but he is no longer part of the organization. Okay. Apparently this morning, they uninvited, uninvited almost all of the cast of Battlestar Galactica. Which, all of them? Both of both They them? had invited all of the cast. It's like Katie Sackhoff and... Yes. Because, and... I do not. I do. As far as I can tell right now, I do not hold Galacticon itself particularly responsible for a very unfortunate, unavoidable, and perhaps to them unforeseeable situation. Small convention in a summer loaded with conventions. Their ticket sales have not been what they thought it would be, so they oh, don't so have they the money to, bring to, them out. to pay them. So apparently fans have been angry that all these cast members canceled out and they've said, no, we wanted to come, but Galacticon could no longer afford yeah. to pay for a hotel room, to pay for their flight. Even if you went rock bottom, they kind of overestimated and they're young, uh, or I don't know if they're young, but, but they're, they're inexperienced. inexperienced. And so apparently they had not even made deposits at the hotel. That's and so unfortunate. Were, we're gonna wait. So here's the thing. There, is, there are a lot of conventions popping up because yeah. like this... I, this heroes and villains may be really great, and I so I don't want to rip into that. I, I really have no reflection. But we've noticed something else, and Anna Sebrian and I have been talking about this at, at, at Elusive. After this big flurry about the Silicon Valley Comic Con, right? Nobody's heard a thing. Hmm. Nothing about organization. No local retailers have been contacted. Nobody knows what's what's going on there. So you know. It, Conventions do, are not something that just happen. Right. You have to really be well planned. And we've seen it ebb and flow in going to smaller things where we've been to local conventions that are very well prepared. 
and some that people were new and just didn't have the guidance. And oh, I yeah. thought one year, I think it might have been Baycon where you uh, was it Baycon that you and Debbie helped out one year because it was a largely new staff that uh, or new organizers. Uh, it may have been. I've been I, to I so think, many Baycons. But I, there was a year that you guys were on staff. But it might have been it might have been convolution to help it, it get off the ground. It was, well, convolution uh, is a relatively it, new. I think it is relatively new for people with a lot year. of experience. But yeah. uh, at any rate, it's you know when it, it when it is a bunch of people who don't have experience doing this. There are a lot of things that are unforeseen yeah. because you just don't know. Oh, you're going to get you know. You Luckily, in this valley, there come. are a lot of people. The people who are running conventions typically have experience. There are enough. There are enough conventions. There's yeah. enough old guard convention organizers, and we run. With well, that let crowd, me get, let me so. give this recommendation out to anybody who's thinking about holding a convention. If you if you have access to the old guard, yeah. and they offer to help, take it take it because you need somebody who knows how to work with hotels because that, right I, on, I number believe, one you need somebody who knows how to work with hotels well, that's the number one issue in san diego now isn't it yeah um you know i i saw a horrible political cartoon we didn't actually mention it in fate in in the dress rehearsal but i saw a, a political cartoon i was i'm uh, i'm going to presume i apologize I, I i don't like to get political but it is was political in san diego uh i would assume a conservative uh guy who said a political cartoonist who was scoffing because apparently the hotels in san diego what has almost killed the deal to keep the convention was that they don't like that they have to negotiate discount rates they want to be able to charge whatever they want yeah for comic-con that shows yeah i mean because (laughs) if you know some of those quote-unquote discount rates they're charging (laughs) it's um but, you know, so this political cartoon was like, oh, I get it. I see that's that kind of the economics that, that oh, yeah, we'll just cut all, we'll cut, all the, cut all the rates and so nobody's making as much money as they should. And then no, the money I, will just come flowing I was in. actually talking about the hotel as a facility for as the convention. As a facility, yeah. But, because you, there are all kinds of things you have to know about, like yeah. floor plans and whether or not they're going to staff the restaurant for you, whether they're going to do any, any right, kind of fan and, food, and, you know. Uh, can you bring in your what's the union contract thing can you bring in your own equipment and set it up or which do you i know that was a, that was a problem it? at uh red lion yeah um i think there's still some conventions that are, that are there but i know that there have been some union issues uh, yeah. there with other conventions so but the the hotel coordinator is immensely important there's a lot to negotiate that you may just not be aware yeah. of i just tied it back to comic-con because this is the comic-con wrap-up final dress rehearsal um <laughs> tonight um just to say because conventions in in general and i and i was thinking about you know not this year but i've had a lot of people ask are you going to come out to the new york comic con mm-hmm. and we've had somebody go and and cover off and on but it's you know it, it i would still like to go myself and once and maybe then twice if i really liked it but you know Oh, by the way, and Long Beach Comic Con is coming out in September, and Campbell Con in locally to us yeah, is coming. Yeah, and it's just like ah, 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 so so much going on. Um, you could you could spend all your time going to conventions, really, and so that's why organization is key. I'm going to be making my reservations for Doc Con. So Are you going to go to Doc Con? I I'm thought gonna you weren't going to go this year. No, I'm going to go. I'm going to go see Ron Ely. Yes. Well, you can read an interview with Ron Ely from two Comic-Cons ago from when I got to sit down with uh, Ron at Dark Horse because of Tarzan. Excellent. Uh, you know, which I know is going to be in your What's in the Bag coming up. It is. Talking about Dark Horse's Tarzan stuff. So let's uh, let's uh, move to some uh, – or, or do we have any other – I can't remember if there was any – 
kind of Comic-Con, just stare at each other and go, we're done uh, for another year. Um, With respect to Comic-Con, my personal take on it was I didn't go the last two years. Um, So the prior time to this time, I found the convention a lot more relaxed. I part of it, I think, was because I had decided I wasn't going to try and get into Hall H or Ballroom Twenty. Mm-hmm. Um, I was just going to do regular panels and hit the floor hard and talk to people and take a lot of pictures. But I think, and you you pointed this out, that there's so much stuff going on in town and outside of the convention center that people are spread out more over a larger space that includes area outside of the convention. I've got a lot of steps on my Fitbit. I did too. 17,000 uh, a day on my on my top day. Yeah. I, yeah. Um, yeah slacker. Uh, <laughs> I, think, I, think, I think my top was like 22 or 23,000. Really? But I think the thing is like of the things to do, like I walked, <laughs> it went like this. I was in the Hilton Bayfront Doing an interview, right? Um, went to the Omni to do an in- interview with Jenny Jaffe of You Are Okay, which will be coming up in a podcast or already has come in a podcast, right? And then I had to run back to the Sales Pavilion to meet Reggie Bannister, the star of the Phantasm franchise, because my best friend from junior high, Trey Nichols, who by the way is a fantastic LA playwright, who just closed a run of his adaptation of H.P. Lovecraft's From Beyond, uh, so he does a lot of horror stuff. We had seen Phantasm, the Meridian Quad, uh, in San Jose oh, man, way back Quad. when. And so he messaged me before Comic-Con, are you coming? Can we get a selfie with Reggie Bannister? So, and you can see that very selfie on the website. Uh, but, so we'll go to the sales pavilion, go down to see, is there anything else I want to do? And I'm like, oh, crap, there's some corrections I need to make on the website. So I go back, back to, to the, the hotel room. Back to the hotel there. I get a text saying, um, you need to come to Hall H because there's... Uh, it's a friend saying, I've got a pass for the concert, for the Star Wars concert, which they just sprung on us. So then I'm going back around behind that. Uh, well, actually, in the Hilton Bayfront, I'd also gone back and forth on that carnival on that dock and the marina before anyway. Yeah. Then it's because that's all over. That's huge. Um, you could actually, there are like panels on yachts. I mean, that's how they're running out of space. And so you go back to, I don't know what we call it, the marina, wherever the band shell, where the symphony plays. So I'm right. back there. And then I had an invitation, a request, would I go to the badass music festival, which is where Kirby Crackle was playing and um, the Double Clicks and, and some bands right, that I'd right, heard right. of, you know, but they were doing a DJ dance party. So their KJ, their their DJ was uh, dressed as Commander Cody from the Clone Wars. Uh, so I was impressed by the effort. Uh, but by the time I'd walked, I was like, this is a park I didn't even know existed. Every year in San Diego, I discovered something new. And then go back over to a bar called Werewolf, where they're having a Ghostbusters theme party. Because my friend Robin Shelby, who I did junior theater with, this is not the name drive. This is just I just just discovered she was Slimer in Ghostbusters. But apparently there was uh, an accident on on the five, and she had to turn back around. So I didn't get to see her, but I did make it to the werewolf and go. Well, interesting party where they had a giant Stay Puft Marshmallow Man. You can all see that photo. I'm like, by the time I've done that, I was like, I think I've walked more today than I've walked in a week, and normally and great but then there were things that i wanted to get to like the disney infinity pop-up yeah I'd i never, never got that. to so i'm yeah. grateful for d23 because it's a chance to go hello yep. can i still can i can i snag a freebie um a t-shirt maybe something uh swag swag man i'm looking forward to that d23 swag it's something that's reinvigorating me for the convention season an all disney swag 
convention in which Danny Elfman will be there. We should talk about D23 on another podcast. We should. Let's talk uh, again Comic-Con. So we're going to focus on, let's get some modern news <laughs> to come out of it. Because everybody got quiet. Marvel got quiet. DC kind of got quiet after Comic-Con. Everybody's still doing. Well, they made a lot of noise. Marvel made a ton of noise beforehand. Right. And DC did too with their eight miniseries that they announced and, yeah. and their really interesting exploratory stuff, which we didn't get a chance to talk to on the podcast. But you know where Marv Wolfman, is, not yeah, Marv Wolfman is going to revive Raven, so, so he's getting to go back and do a miniseries of, of Raven setting in the new, very loose DC universe. Uh, Len Wein is writing both Swamp Thing as a result of his convergence. There's right. two issues there, which were great. Shows the guy hasn't missed a step on it. Um, with Kelly Jones doing the art. So if you want to go back to, like, why did people think the Swamp Thing with Bernie Wrightson and, and Len Wein was a big deal in the 70s? Can lightning strike twice? Or uh, Kelly Jones is great. I would, was just looking at the 7% solution, and he's been doing art in that. And it, uh, first I, looked, I glanced at it. I thought, the is IDW that, adaptation of 7% solution? That's correct. Which we have an interview with Scott Tipton on the podcast that posted today. That must have been why I was looking that at it. That must have been. Okay. But I, first, first glance, I thought it was Wrightson. You know, yeah. It's the same kind of well, and that's cross what Len Wein said. Len, yeah. when they asked him, uh, he's apparently pitched a couple times that he wanted to come back and write Swamp Thing. They've said they wanted to write Swamp Thing. He'd pitched a couple times, and he said, uh, "But get this Kelly Jones guy." And then they kind of whatever happened, the schedule wasn't right, and then convergence happened, and they were right. So it, that's great. And he's also doing Metal Men. So uh, there's all kinds and Metamorphose coming back. Which I hope is better than the Dan Jurgens. I like Dan Jurgens normally, but I didn't like that year it's one. It's got to be better. Yeah. yeah, and I didn't like the last Metal Men either. So no. I'm hoping that that th- this will be great. So I mean, they all made noise. Now they're quiet because every website is doing doing what we're doing. Still going Absorbing through so it. much stuff we had, uh, you know, to cover, and you still see these. One of which, and I'll stay on DC for a moment, is that Comic Book Resources released this week their interview with Dan DiDio and Jim Lee, in which they talked about see if you can recreate your derisive laugh. As I say this, that Dan DiDio said, now we're in a position, we want to be in a position where we never have to reboot again. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, okay. Yeah, that's why you got to catch you completely unaware yeah. of things like that. You know, it's all right. Um, here's my card. I'll coach you. Uh, we'll coach each other in different in different skills. So um, I get what he's saying. I Because I think the thing is, I, the more I read Secret Wars, I go, Marvel is really putting themselves in a position to reboot without ever saying that they did. But, I mean, the statement is kind of weird because they none of the crises they've had have been like, we're going to do two more after this. They've always thought, they've always put it out there as if final crisis, you know, what else? It's not like Final Fantasy. Well, actually, it? that was a trilogy of crises that began with identity right. crisis. Right, right, right. They, they did know they were doing that. Yeah, and, and I do think that, that Flashpoint turning into New 52. Was supposed to be it. it. Well, I think it took a lot of people by surprise because we just had final crisis. Yes. And then they didn't let Grant Morrison do what he wanted to do, no. except they're going to now. A Batman will be a new god, uh, Bruce Wayne. That's where he is. Yeah. Uh, so in this, in this, uh, you know, great forty-eight or whatever we say, uh, it's too late for your forty-eight DC. I just love the fact that they killed him for a while, and he went back in time and came back forward through time, and then, and that was Dark Side did that yeah. to him basically, and now he's a new god for a while until he's gonna divest himself of his well, divinity you know and, and there's the problem because he, he's it. got it because the, somebody asked me in the shop today like are you enjoying secret wars we like about this and I said one of the things that is bugging me about secret wars it's not their fault i mean it's a, it's a story well told but 
when someone says, "Oh, did you read Star Lord and Kitty Pride or Kitty Pride and Star Lord?" I don't which way. I don't know which way they yeah. build on that. I have it sitting on my stack to read, and they said, "You know, because Star Lord knows, remembers the old way." And I said, "Yeah," and it just feels hackneyed. It's psycho pirate. It's it's pariah. Yeah. It's and but well, I'm there's like, a handful that do, and remember. there are a handful. Yeah, yeah. but. But here's the thing: is to say, we're back again to where I said, yeah, you say we're children of men. We're, we're children of Stan. We're going to die off, and not to discuss our mortality this evening. Locked in the corridor between universes, and dying off is not in my plan. Huh? Well, it's been done. Uh, so, but the thing is that reader, the intent of all these events, even Secret Wars to some extent, is to get new readers excited. So they're people that haven't read. Every single cosmic crossover that we've read, you, you know, and uh, and so it's the idea is new readers are supposed to go, oh, this is a new and fresh because they've never seen it. But we have. And the thing and my fear is, like, again, I said this was Secret Wars, but the same thing is true of DC. You, what you're attracting new people for a little bit and then they go away and then we're the ones still behind going. You're just recycling. Can you find something new? And well, the, the the well, it's almost like Secret Wars is blatantly recycling. Oh yeah. And in some cases, good God, just, did you read Weird World? No, I, I that was one I skipped. Okay, here's the only reason. I'm just going to say it right now. The most awesome thing about Weird World, which took me by surprise, I bought the first issue. I don't know why. Hoping against hope, it would actually be like the original Weird World. Yeah. Uh, and then for some weird world two just stayed in my stack. They're reviving Kristar, the crystal warrior, the little action figure line from Remco back in the eighties. And they had nine or 10 issues of Marvel. Right. So Warbo, who was Kristar's best friend is going, is unexpectedly one of the main characters of weird world in the second issue. So they're going deep, 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 deep. Which there's a big toy nostalgia. I'm going to tie in a uh, something I forgot to mention in the dress rehearsal, but we'll tie in as a uh, a Comic Con announcement, which still didn't get the attention it should have because it was buried under so much other stuff. IDW got the rights to both Micronauts and Rom, and they're going to be reviving those books. And if you listen to that Scott Tipton interview, where I said how much, or maybe I said it after the after we interviewed us, how much do I have to pay? Uh, Chris Ryle to um, you know a thousand dollars to write a page, yeah, uh, and he says get in line, get in line. And but then I was thinking about it, going the thing is everything we truly love about Micronauts and Rom, yeah, are owned by Marvel, yeah. They can't use them, you know, because Space Knight's showing up. We know that there'll be a Venom Space Knight as one of the new stories, uh, one of the new books post post Secret Wars. Um, the, the Space Knights of Galador, that's and the the Dire right. Wraiths, everything right. they made it fascinating except for the character of Rom himself, who, by the way, I'm going to have to say this bluntly, was a failed action figure. Yeah. Um, everything that people love about it is Marvel. There's no point in giving it to. I mean, I did could probably do something really cool, but it won't be what people think. You know, they what he want. failed as an action figure. He was too big. He only had five points of articulation. I think you could turn, and maybe just four. I think you could turn his head. 
Well, because he was all it was all electronics. Well, it was all a battery pack with yeah with a uh, with yeah. Which didn't make Mason have like a Jupiter Warrior or something um, that was like yeah, that. Yeah, it's uh, much bigger than the others, and so that's what Rom always reminded me of. It was all it was all. Designed. But he was definitely humanoid with a human face. He yeah, had, yeah, he had he had like things that clipped on his boots, kind of like what Orion had to fly around on. Yeah. So, so. point is it, that that may be one reason. I also think that Rom was too big at a time when everybody was doing small figures so you couldn't play him with anything there was nothing else for rom except perhaps that kenner alien action figure that was on the shelves for three weeks before kenner realized holy crap this is an r-rated movie and that's a psychopathic killer uh with no remorse (laughs) maybe we shouldn't be advertising children playing with this toy uh and, and micronauts you know it's like other than the character of Baron Karza, it's it's that idea of the microverse, which is, by the way, in Ant Man, the quantum. Uh, what do they call it? It's not the quantum field, but they quantum space. Right. Uh, they use in Ant Man, and I went, oh, "That's great." The only problem with that is everything that makes the quantum space interesting in Ant Man, Marvel has no access to either. These you remember what Micronauts crossed over with almost immediately? It was uh, Fantastic Four because it's Psycho Man. And X-Men. X-Men was... Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, this is my frustration. It's like, again, let's take a look at either there better be a really cool um, reorganization of rights with Fox, with whatever, because we need to bring them all home again. This is like the Green Hornet Lone Ranger thing all over again, but it's an entire universe where they're two split up, and each each company owns a little piece of yeah. what makes the whole cool. But... You know, so blame the lawyers. They wrote. I, they all wrote bad. One way or the other, they all wrote bad contracts. They did, but it's. I. I, I don't blame the the lawyers. I blame um, Charles Revlon Revson. Uh, I can't remember the name of the guy uh, that was a junk bond trader in the '90s who had Marvel and he sold off everything and they were going no. bankrupt. Yeah. Marvel had to take whatever cash they could to stay it's alive true. until Toy Biz bought them. So read that untold. The other great thing about Marvel, the, the untold story, yeah, Michael Golden artwork. Was just luscious. Well, and so here's the tragedy: unless IDW has the right yeah. to reprint the Marvel Micronauts books, yeah, that's lost. That's lost. It's in my garage. I I think I still have my Micronauts, and I think I still have my Rom Run for exactly the same reason yeah. that it's like these are great great books that no one can see again. Yeah, Marionette, Rom, yeah, and Bug. Who yeah. was in Guardians of the Galaxy for a while in the yeah. comics, so maybe Bug can be used by Marvel still. But um, I, you know, I just I, anyway, I, I wish IDW all the best. It's just Devil's Due did a Micronauts revival too, and it was like, but they're just echoing what Marvel did. Mm-hmm. But on the flip side, if nobody can ever see it again, I guess there's a case of yeah, go ahead, you know, take your shot, do it different, yeah. Yeah. differently. IDW is a good company. That's not my criticism. Maybe they'll, maybe they'll come up with new characters and we'll love yeah. them even more. They're also doing a Back to the Future uh, prequel comic book series, five-issue miniseries, which uh, does not enthuse me. Um, I'm just tired of, all, of, of us being so backstory-obsessed uh, that there's a great story about how Marty and Doc met. Really? No, I don't think there is. I, but I think it's because they wanted to do something for the 30th anniversary of Back to the Future. Which is, by the way, you know, to release a new trilogy Blu-ray set, pay no attention to the special edition Blu-ray set trilogy they just released two years ago. Um, but this one is the super happy Twin Pines. Uh, <laughs> I don't know. I'm getting so bummed out by all that. Uh, 
I almost said wayward pines. Uh, but one thing that Marvel did announce uh, in the wake of all this, that they do have the rights to, is to tell the Spider-Man story over again. So they uh, announced they're going to do Spidey, an all-ages book, which... It's about time. It, well, I'm just... There should be more all-ages books and a, and a more concerted effort by the big guns, because and especially Marvel, because that's who the average person thinks is the only comic book company in the world. At the time that yep. Archie has gone grim and gritty and gone with a really nifty horror line, and they've rebooted very well with Mark Wade and Fiona Staples, it's very you know I could see teen middle school kids could suddenly get into Archie because the other thing is I, I got to say this my perspective I've always gone from the assumption that everybody picks up Archie because it's safe and everybody buys it for their kids blah 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 and I gave my son Archie number one and he read and he said and he said you know who I I really kind of like. That guy who wears the crown, and he hadn't King pick, Jughead. He hadn't picked up anywhere who Jughead was, you know. It, like it's there in the story, but I, I think it is kind of like it was just so uh, he that I'd assumed he knew who Jughead was from other things. I mean, all right. those media appearances—they're all gone. Yeah, he's never picked. You know, nor has my daughter. Well, he so. probably doesn't watch any of the shows that show the repeats of old old cartoons either. I don't even know what networks you're talking about that do yeah, that. I, I occasionally they'll they'll show up. I on. don't know who has filmation because that would be where the Archies were. Um, Didn't TV Land have some of that stuff? They might have, but no kid watches TV. That's which, what I'm saying. Which would be ironic because TV Land was a spinoff from Nickelodeon because right. it was Nick at Night. And became, right. you know, uh, now TV Land isn't even going to show old shows anymore. Now it's all sitcoms. Like Nate's uh, Well, I think teachers. TV Land is where Land of the Lost is getting shown now. Oh, okay. So maybe that is yeah. a Saturday. Oh, that's cool. Anyway, they're doing Spidey. And uh, so they're going to retell the early years of Peter Parker, which then, after all the panic right before Comic-Con of Miles Morales, is going to be the only Spider-Man in which I shook my head at the world and said, no, they didn't say that. They're yeah. just putting Miles Morales a great focus, and they should. He's a great character, and it's yeah. wonderful. Great diversity and inclusiveness. But I think now that the count is... More books still featuring Peter Parker than there are featuring Miles Morales, and I, I expect so because that's who's going to be in the movie. Oh, do we have a, we don't have an account on the number there? There was an incredible number of Avengers books before before they started ramping down for. I, I Secret believe there Wars. were a million six <laughs> Avengers different, titles, different titles, yeah, all with the same logo, like so Avengers, you didn't know yeah, if you oh, yeah. bought it. Yeah, yeah, Avengers World, Secret Avengers. Avengers Land. Mighty Avengers. Avengers Epcot Center. Uh, <laughs> Low-fat Avengers. <laughs> Acidophilus. <laughs> Sweet Acidophilus Avengers. But, uh, <laughs> but uh, I mean, Spider-Man was in a number of those as well. Yeah. Anyway, and they're also building up. I, I'm glad they're doing an all-ages book. I, I, my only regret is, well, you know, I mean, they, they don't need to because they've been doing an, uh, an all-ages book based on the animated series, and it's fun. You know, but, but I guess you've got to go back and tell the origin one more time. So they're ready for that Spider-Man in 2017. Um, uh, I saw Vacation, which is written by the guys that are writing oh, the Spider-Man movie, and oh, I'm kind of like... I don't know if I have hope. It's John Francis Daly who was the, one of the geeks on Freaks and Geeks. And, okay. Um, I you know I don't know. I, I could talk, we could talk about vacation later if we want. I have a review up on Family Planning Go. It was just yeah. Anyway, uh, Star Wars. Uh, Star Wars. Marvel also announced that was our shortest podcast movie review ever. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but everyone out there listening went. Got yeah. it. Yeah. <laughs> That's it. 
I, I went to great effort to write a very witty review online, but, you know, <laughs> it still comes down to, me. you know, if you're, it, it's like. That's if you f- want to pe- see people diving in sewage, oh, God. this is the movie for you. Oh, that almost made me puke. Um, but that's how I feel about a lot of movie reviewing now. It's like, it's, you say, it's like, there's nothing I can say or do that will make you either go to a movie or not go to a movie. Yeah. I write to amuse myself, I think, <laughs> at this point. That's what that's the power of the critic, you know, is people either are aware or aren't. I was in line for a movie last week, uh, just to digress just a moment further, where there was a family in front of me who looked up and they're trying to decide. What movie should we see? Who does that? I mean, but as I always said, here we are in that bubble. And you and I are always planners. We're like, I'm going to go. You yeah, know, even I when, I, ahead and when I drop, well, I have the AMC app, and I go, right. boom, and I, and I say, like, okay, what time is this? I'm, you know, I'm dropping off Lung on Sunday nights often because I just need to kind of just go off and do something by myself. I like to go to a movie. So I go, like, okay, what time am I dropping off? I look at the app. Uh, what are my choices? What do I want to see? What is the most convenient time out of the three or four AMC theaters that I can get to? Right. Uh, what is the, you know, what does the century have? And and I check. I plan ahead. Yeah. This, this, and I think they promised the kid to go see Jurassic World. And so they're sitting there and they go, oh, there's a new Terminator movie. <laughs> is that out already? I'm like. It's almost gone. You know, I mean, I, I tr- I've learned to not say those yeah, things out loud. But, you know, know. But, and my point is not to make fun of a family, but to say really instead that, again, I keep wondering why, like, I go on to On Demand and there's commercials for these movies. Like, we get it. How do people not know? It still doesn't penetrate to most people because I'm this huge, voracious pop culture consumer. Right. And I keep forgetting that as much as You're I feel normal. like the geeks rule the world, I'm not normal. No. And so I, so please, if you are, help me. Uh, if you would like to offer your cons- consultation <laughs> services so I can fit in with society. But that's, that, that's how, uh, you know, it was just, a, a, again, adverse, a perspective I needed to have again. That's why all this hype really is necessary. And, you know, what all my friends, like, they're minioned out. And I said, I'll bet there's still going to be a family this week that goes to an AMC and goes, Minions is open. It's here. I didn't know. I hadn't heard about it. I love them. They're yellow. I haven't seen it yet. I want to, you know. But we, unfortunately, I, I, my other rule with Comic-Con is movie uh, is movie studios should not open movies the week of Comic-Con because yeah. then we, we, we don't get to cover them. Uh, so, uh, agreed. You know, but how seconded how selfish of them uh but anyway uh marvel also did say you know they've they've snuck out over the last two weeks they're really expanding the star wars comics universe in addition to as we had covered on digital comics unlimited which i think now they're officially it says marvel unlimited my app says that but that they uploaded all of the dark horse star wars books as well as all their old marvel books uh, you know what? I'm busy catching up on books that I actually bought that I never got around Drew to reading. Drew Campbell signed up for that, and he was just like, what should I read? I know. Gave well, like a list of six I know, things. I know. But they're also expanding currently what they're doing. So you have your Princess Leah. You have your uh, your Darth Lando. Vader book. Your Star Wars Lando came out. They announced you a Chewbacca. The, There's going to be a crossover The Rebels event. one. Uh, the last uh, Padawan. Only, no, it's just going to be called Kanan. 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 It's going to be called Kanan. It's, they're dropping the last Padawan. Well, it's out title. already. I think there's yeah, two yeah, issues. No, but they, there's three issues, but they're dropping the, the subtitle of The, of last, the last Padawan. Padawan. Yeah. yeah. Um, because, by the way, if you're trying to escape being killed, uh, you don't want to advertise that, hello, I'm Kanan, The Last Padawan. <laughs> uh, and that's yeah. it. You know. But uh, it's a very Irk. short book. Yeah. 
by voiced by Freddie Prince Jr. He's very impressive on oh. that show. Uh, but anyway, uh, so it's just like there's this sub universe of Star Wars books alone, and what's driving me crazy is they're all good. I'm really irritated. Marvel, yes. stop adding to my pile. Like today, Titan. They're publishing like five different Doctor Who titles, three of which all came out today. It's like, could you at least stagger them a little bit? Well, you know, they're holding the big guns back on the Star Wars, too, because they haven't done a Han Solo book. They haven't done the Boba Fett book. Which they is haven't done one. one based on the little cleaning mouse that's always running around. I think that's uh, that's his time is coming. I don't know exactly. There's a backstory I don't there. know exactly what my emotional reaction to you holding on to that joke from last night where my reaction was not great. If you tell that joke every podcast for the next 10, eventually I'm going to have to laugh. Got to have goals. <laughs> you laughed. Business. That was derisive. <laughs> uh, we go to Car D'Angelo. Car, weigh in, please. Uh, anyway, uh, so they've got all that all that stuff. Um, you know, And um, so... <laughs> Let us get to the really the meat, and let's try to we can go fast on the what's in the bag special yeah. edition this week. Even though we did get to the comic book store this week, and uh, I don't know if there's anything that like raised a, a, a red flag for you of like this oh there was, was. Great. there was something in my bag. I, I do want to say uh, once again, really impressed by Gene Luen Yang's Superman. Uh, I did read that today and just got wow that everything suddenly makes actually give me a second because there was something I was going. Manhattan Projects has relaunched into a new thing called Sun Beyond the Stars. So they've gone back. They had an issue one. And I know this because it didn't get pulled because they had changed it. Oh. And so I'm almost caught up. I've been reading the trades and yeah. enjoying it. You're loving it, huh? No, I'm not loving it. You're I'm enjoying it. it. That's different. No, no. I'm I'm honestly not. I, I'm liking it. Okay. It worth it enough that I bought two trades after, you know, I bought the first and went, I will continue this story. Okay. So. I, it, it resonates for me. The other one was the 50th anniversary Thunder Agents book. Which I saw that and thought about it. It's only eight bucks. It's a couple of reprints and, and well, it's only eight bucks for. It's a square bound. It's like a graphic novel. Look at that. Okay, and how much of that do you already have in the um, probably about in the hardcover sixty yeah. percent? that's but my that's my problem. But there's a lot of um, stuff that I don't. So have. IDW has Thunder Agents now. Yeah. Okay. All right. Cool. Apparently, Marvel let it slip out. Or no, this DC one, was the one that last Mar- had it. Pardon me, DC. Um, they couldn't make it sell. But this is one of those ones where the the uh, was a John Caballero and the rights was always always up weird. in the air. It's been, and, it's been published by like four or five different companies in oh, the last twenty. At least years. four or five. So I want to say there are a couple you know, companies the, that just. The, the thing is, honestly, a company like IDW needs to hold on to a book like can, can make a book like Thunder Agents work because they can they don't have to sell as big. Their reach isn't as as, as large. Yeah. DC, if they're going to pay for a license, they've got to you know it's got to be su- something super. There's got to be a huge fandom. I think again, Thunder Agents is a Children of Wally thing. Uh, those of us who love Wally Wood, Children of Wally. Well, I was going with Children of Stan. I got to come up with something else. You know that that. Um, Wally. Is that if you remember Wally, Wally Wood, Wood um, that that's great. He was sci-fi for so long, and he and he was. And by the way, that was a trivia question of the Pro Fan Trivia match. He was Super Duper Man. He did all the art on that. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Captain Marbles. Yeah. So anybody who listened to that uh, that audio, what does Shazoom stand for? Anyway, um, but uh, another you know, Ox. <laughs> no Ox. Power of 
ox comma power of another that's yes. yeah so it's the phrasing man that's what makes that joke make me laugh and try when i was eight years old that was the funniest thing i'd ever seen because i just picked up shazam number two uh from when dc had when just DC revived it and then it was in you know, they had this mad supersized and they had this little old comic book reprint in the middle of it and i just and, and super duper man was on that I'm, I've probably read that story more than I've read any other story <laughs> in uh, comic book history. So uh, anyway, uh, yeah, they can afford, you know, they can cater to a smaller fan base and keep it alive and well. And clearly quality because you liked it. I, I looked at it. I've never been because I, I wasn't a fan of Thunder Agents the first time around because oh, I was really yeah. too young. You know, it was it was gone by the time oh, I was, was going like to superheroes the, and spies and gadgets. It was all 60s. I didn't really buy a lot of superhero stuff in the 60s. I would find stuff at garage sales and flea markets in uh, the early yeah, yeah. 70s and pick up old books that way sure. sometimes. But yeah, I don't think always... I actually bought any in this. I may have had one bought for me in the 60s, but it was mostly I mostly picked up stuff in reprints or old, I, I do issues. have the first two volumes of the archive editions, and I will yeah. finish it up. Um, but it is, you know, my archive editions, which I, I had to have, are like, Many go unread. In fact, my son was just interested in Metal Man because of um, Justice League God's Monsters, and I and I and I know that I have to show him color. He won't read the black and white reprints, the showcases. So I have a showcase of Metal Man, and I, and, I, and then after he was gone, I looked up in my archives and went, "Well, I do have one." <laughs> I was really mad at myself for forgetting what I even have in my archives. Yeah, but that's why I have them so that I can to anyone say, "You'd like me to host a trivia match? I've got it all." And the case <laughs> and falls fall on <laughs> He was killed it's by horrible. trivia. I need I need a bookcase, uh, you know, that slides back, and I have a cave of just bookcases. Uh, anyway, so let's talk. Let's do what's in the bag of what we actually got yes. at Comic Con. Yes, yes, so yes. Uh, go ahead with with this one. Okay, so the first one I got. Well, Invader Zim came out that week, and it came out with sixteen alternate covers, which is amazing. I've and first, at least one was a Comic Con exclusive. I'm sure. Uh, I'm not sure. I don't know. Well, good for Oni if they didn't. Um. The, uh, the I went for the one which was the standard one, which is what I usually That's what do. I got. And the 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 book is just spot on. It, of course, you're going to expect it from the creators, but it reads like one of the shows. I felt like I was watching the Jonah show Vasquez again. Vasquez is directly involved. It, yeah. it, it explains what he's been doing all the time. He's been gone. What. Uh, What's been going on with the Membrane family? And this and is from Oni Press. Oni I don't Press. think we said that. It had formerly been with SLG. Right. But now it's with Oni. Uh, no, actually, no, it's it was never, never with it. It's never been a comic book before. No. I'm sorry, but Jonan's, Vasque, uh, Vasque. Uh, Jonan's book, it's Vasquez. 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 Jonan uh, had done Johnny the Homicidal Maniac with SLG. Right, right. So, um, wonderful book there, but at uh, Comic-Con, they were doing an alien conspiracy folder. It's like, it's shaped, uh, it's, it's a regular comic shape, but it's made to look like a, a manila folder with a lot of tidbits and stuff from the show. Uh, where has Invader Zim been? Uh, all kinds of, like, just little, uh, <laughs> just little And I'm going to suspect, because one of, the, one of the rules we had sort of set, and we realized you, it's hard not to break them yeah. for this, is... That we're trying to limit to things that that's true. that people can act can, can get. I'm going to guess that's going to show up in the trade paperback. That Oni does some really nice packaging. This is of their too books good afterwards. not to get shown and not to either make it as a regular issue or in a in a I annual. Would, I, that's you're right. I can see an in, Invader Zim Zero. Or I, in I a, believe number one did very well. Yeah, 
Uh, it's it, this is going to make it make it around again. So if you have a chance to pick it up in the meantime, do so. It's wonderful. I know and, the copies are available on eBay. I've been following that bleeding cool. Uh, it's been running. Okay. You know, like here's how much I they're think, going for. I think I I may have spent upwards of ten dollars for it. I can't remember at the Oni booth. I don't know so. because normally I don't really get. I think the only con exclusive comic book that I've ever uh, that I'd ever bought in years past was when they did the Batman sixty six with the. Uh, action figure cover ah. for number one because it was like it's too cool I gotta have that you know of the action figures climbing up the wall ironically then like that's other than the Batusi action figure I don't have any of those I, I never buy because it's con exclusive I buy because I want it no absolutely but it was right, right. you know that, Same but thing. it's the only one that I've ever bought that was and then this year by accident picked up a few exclusive covers not knowing that it's an exclusive cover uh, so the first one on mine I'm going to go with a, a, a bigger thing was from uh, IDW because, of course, as you've heard already, on the, if you're a podcast list, regular podcast listener, uh, and even if you're not, you should go back and, and listen to the comics-oriented one because I think we got some really great interviews. Uh, but Scott Tipton from IDW yep. who wrote uh, the Star Trek Planet of the Apes crossover, Primate Directive, and is about they're about to release the, his adaptation of The 7% Solution. Uh he uh, and I inter- did an interview at the signing table for IDW. We kicked <laughs> kick children out. Uh, uh, Scott Dunbeer's. Thank you, Scott Dunbeer, for letting us sit there. And then right after was the creative team of the Star Trek Green Lantern crossover. And I went, oh, it's out. Or it's here at the convention, and I don't want to wait. I want to yeah. read this. Yeah, I'm really yeah. looking forward to it. So I went around the corner and bought it, and then they were there. So I had them sign my copy. Uh, so I normally don't get But this is really... The, the I love Green Lantern though I don't read the books now because it's like once Jeff Johns was done it's like sometimes you have to go and Epic was so big it's not that every story has been told but you gotta right. stop and go I can relax now I can relax it's sort of like Planet Hulk my son's reading Planet Hulk right now and just and he he's about uh, a third through and he's dad this is the best Hulk story ever and I'm like <laughs> yeah I said and you're and you're kind of gonna be mad. That they ever bothered with a story after this, you know, yeah. <laughs> because that's how I feel. Greg Pak did such a great job with that, so that's how I felt with Jeff Johnson and Green Lantern. But I do love, I do love me some Star Trek, and I don't, I don't even buy IDW's regular Star Trek books, but you, but these crossovers, I think I have every one of them. So uh, Star Trek and Green Lantern, the Spectrum War, where the cores, all the all the cores have died out, and then by the twenty third century, they find a corpse. Uh, the crew of the Enterprise, the of the Enterprise finds yes. a corpse with a ring, and they don't know what the ring is. But it, it's but Hal is apparently searching the time stream, looking for this lost core member. Mm. So uh, there was a cover. One of the exclusive covers they had was I think Neil Adams drew it, where it had uh, three of the crew members with the ri- about to put the rings on the the main three, you know, Kirk, right. Spock, and McCoy, and and you know, Hal Jordan behind going for the love of God put those damn rings down and i was like i i'd already bought this and if i'd seen that one oh yeah like i probably would have had to do it just for the neil adams cover i don't know who had it it might have been diamond but um but i, I saw it too late you know it's so unfortunately but great book great fun and i think we're it's gonna, the reboot crew and it is the reboot crew because this was divided up scott tipton gets to write the the classic cast and uh, for crossovers and this uh writer uh Mike Johnson, who hopefully will be able to get on the podcast because he's a West Coaster, and Good. once we get into a regular schedule, once everybody's uh, summer vacations are over, Mike Johnson has agreed to uh, come on the podcast and talk about it. He gets to write all the 
reboot crew book. So they've divided up, you know, which I think is interesting. You had to do it. And uh, that makes sense. Uh, I would pay to write the little solo of Scotty's little alien assistant played by Deep Roy. Uh, so anything. I'm just putting it out there. Because Ryall, if you'd like, if series. you'd like to give me, you know, anything. Anyway, so that that's one of mine. And the book is available. I just happen to have a cover that's not, but the book is available at comic shops and was really fun. So okay, thought about that. So my next one is basically thematic. I went to the Edgar Rice Burroughs panel. Well, I'm going to say use both of them. Go ahead. Yeah, uh, that that the. Uh, the ERB people had a big Tarzan Bros, yeah, and they were talking they talk for, first about the movie, which they didn't really have a lot of detail on. They basically went over the people who've been cast in it, and which, by the way, you can find that information on Fanboy Planet and further discussed in the interview we did with Mike Richardson, the publisher of Dark Horse, last year, because he really is the guy that kept it alive for ERB. Mike was on the panel, and he's very crucial to having yep. gotten that that movie deal made. He was very good at saying nothing. He, no, that he, makes sense. He's, he didn't have anything. He, he wasn't allowed, allowed a, to say anything. He's a laconic I'm man. I'm saying as he well. was very good yes. at it. So, um, but they were covering all the stuff that's coming up with Tarzan, including there's going to be an animated version of Tarzan coming and Jane. Netflix. And they were showing the the companion books that went that went along with it. I guess. And um, Mike and I talked about that. Disney bobbled that. Yeah. Like their animated Tarzan series. Yeah. Was really good. Really, it was very Doc Savagey. It was very Tarzan-y. And it was the very, one where he's a surfer on the trees. That one. That, that well, that's the movie. But they they, right. they did an animated Tarzan and but Jane. Yeah, cartoon, yes. But it's it's much more in line with Burroughs with the books. Burroughs books, yeah. And, uh, and it, it was really fun. And then when it was announced that that French company was doing one, a uh, new A Constantine did the animated CG Tarzan, and I said, Mike, what happened there? And he's like. I don't know because it seemed to have been. I mean, you still go to Disneyland and there's Tarzan's Treehouse. Yeah. So I don't know why another company gets. No idea. But But this one's uh, Tarzan and Jane. They're both younger. Yeah. So it's kind of like a young Sherlock Holmes take on Tarzan. The Lagoon version of Tarzan. Yeah. And they go back to Britain to go to school. And so a lot of stuff happens while they're they're back in the UK. Greystoke Academy. Exactly. But um, they kept on showing. This was probably the most expensive panel for me to have gone to because they kept on showing stuff that I just went. They charge you five dollars a minute. They didn't charge me anything. <laughs> they just kept showing me stuff, saying, "You want this, don't you?" And then, like the number. I mean, the good thing was this is all dark horse stuff. And on Sunday, yeah. everything went forty percent off on dark horse. I can't mock you because seriously, you've shown me this like the second week in a row. I'm taking you've shown the me this. Off you've now. Ta- oh, that. Uh, I read no, through the I first couple. Of- it, but I'm going to buy it because uh, of the purchases you made. I, I was pretty proud of keeping my costs down at Comic Con this year. Yeah, not bring, not bringing back too much stuff. But this is one of the few things that I really regret not picking up because it looked beautiful and it's going to be available. I it's, love Tarzan. It's, yeah, it's, it's a hardback uh, dark horse hardback for twenty bucks, and the um, it's Jungle Tales, Jungle Tales of, Tarzan. of Tarzan, and each each story is a different writer and uh, artist uh, doing doing the art, and it's just lovely. And they they go through incredibly different styles for the stories. Um, yeah, and and then your other book, I mean, let's. Well, the other one is the Tarzan has, Omnibus. I think it's been available for a while, but it's still it, worth saying. Yeah, but this is just a lovely, lovely uh, collection of things that have been published as graphic novels. And miniseries they've been doing for quite some time. That were collected miniseries with 
Um, this one specifically is a lot of Tarzan meets. So like Tarzan Prometheus, which are your meets Frankenstein. Mm-hmm. There's a Jekyll and Hyde story in here. Uh, th- this is, and again, no, you had me at it, you know, I'm, and I'm, again, it's just, it's just, this is like Brune Horgarth, uh, artwork. Everybody is, is Yeats, Steve Yeats. Oh, they're all uh, Thomas Yeats, uh, Tim Truman, Bruce the, Jones, yeah. um, Al Williamson. Oh. It's all like a class artists doing this stuff. I'm going to go to my Amazon link, which I don't get credit for, but I'll still, you know. No, I really, I, yeah. the, the thing. I, and this I, one, I mean, this is this is a, a $25 book, and it's that's an inch thick. Of, no, and, and, and also and seems that, very well bound. Oh, because yeah, sometimes I buy bound, paperbacks that are that big, that they're not cover. really well. But, you know, I, I want to say, and I, and I know, I, I, we, not we, I'll, you know, I have a particularly good relationship with Dark Horse. Mm. Um, you know, I have, I have good friends who work there. And again, thanks, Ob, for arranging the interviews we got last week. But one of the things that I'm grateful for that friendship for is not that I get free stuff because I don't really, but that I really respect what they do. Uh-huh. And I've read other people's adaptations of Tarzan, and I know Dynamite's doing it's probably a good good version right now. The DC one back in the day, oh, was that was really good. Well, that was good. that's how I really first yeah. dis- actually, you know, again, like so many things, my first real, I had two first real discoveries of Tarzan. Dim recollection of watching Ron Ely. So when last year I got or mm-hmm. two years ago I got to meet Ron Ely. I interview him thanks to Dark Horse. That was just a thrill because that's like that. The TV show the or TV City show. of Gold? Or the, TV show. the TV show. I remember watching yeah. it. You know, it was like that was safe to, to leave on the television while I was over at my aunt's house or something. You know, So I, I I don't remember. I couldn't tell you anything about an episode. But you know, that was it. And a, the big little book, The Mark of the Red Hyena, uh-huh. uh, was uh, number five in the uh, big little book series. So those are my first exposures to Tarzan. And then I picked up the DC books with Joe, Joe Cooper Dart. So yes, those are great. But as far as... What they're doing now, people need to keep giving credit to Dark Horse for moving the concept forward of what you could do with adaptations. Yes. There would not be Star Wars comics at Marvel, which are awesome right now, if Dark Horse hadn't seen something in the license after Marvel couldn't keep it alive. Yeah. And they moved forward what you could do with a licensed property. and put top creators on it and the people wanted to pay to, to play in that sandbox and they found those people. So, and yeah. Marvel's continued that. And so I, I, I don't want to take anything away from Marvel because I, I, I'm loving everything they're doing, but I was disappointed to see dark horse losing that license. But you know, I'm saying, and they did Tarzan, right. And it's clear when you talk to Mike Richardson, he loves Tarzan. And yeah. that's why, you know, there's a reason. And I know that ERB, uh, the fa- the company, the family foundation, whatever you call it, is persnickety and difficult because I've had friends try to license for decades uh, some Tarzan stuff. Uh, actually, Don, the Don Bluth Studios mm-hmm. had had looked at doing a Tarzan back in the eighties, and it, it was just I, I you know that fell apart. I mean, there were there were just difficulties. I should just say that I don't want to. I hope I'm not unveiling some kind of secret or getting anybody in trouble for saying that, but I know that was going on. Before Disney did it. And, you know, but through that, the torch was kept alive by Mike Richardson and Dark Horse. So, you know, that's. And not, and not to diminish that, but ERB has got their own website with, right now they've got 16 weekly comic strips based on just about everybody you can mention. And the ones that aren't here are in production. Did you uh, give it in by the Martian Legion, by the way? I did. Yeah, I knew it. Yeah. It's so cute how you act like it's not going to happen. 
the $250 hardcover book that's like, oh, that's too rich for my... Ding dong! FedEx. Uh, <laughs> anyway, but these, I mean, you look at look at the creators on this. Roy Thomas and Pablo Marcos, and, you know, it's like, yeah, yeah, these yeah. are these are good, and it's such a value... Uh, you can get you can get a subscription to this website for two dollars a month or twenty two dollars for a year, and so you know, just two dollars. Try it for a month. See how much you read. If you no, don't like absolutely. it, absolutely. And it's a, it's again where I'm going. I have got to get an iPad because the problem is, you know, you sold me. I finally gave in on Marvel Unlimited, and yeah. I'm loving it. But it's my screen's too small. It's I, hard, and it's on my phone. Yeah, but if I have a pad. And then something like this, where I want to see what Roy Thomas and Tom Grinberg are doing on Tarzan. Yeah, it's Roy a Thomas is Tarzan. writing John Carter, Carson of Venus, which was actually in the very first DC book. One of I my ever favorites bought. of all time. The land, the time, forgot. Pellucidar. Oh my gosh! And then you know, and, and it goes it goes deep. The reality is, you know, Edgar Rice Burroughs was he was a pulp writer, and not everything is fantastic. I look at that list and go. I understand why they're trying to keep all of them alive, yeah. but maybe they shouldn't. You know, well, he was even, a, even the lesser ones like the Mucker and, and yeah. Outlet of Torn are fun. They're I fun, hope that you've ever listened to the what's the Dead Authors podcast. Yes, I have. My friend Chris Tallman was Edgar Rice Burroughs on that. Oh my! And so uh, you have to find that episode I have to find because that it's one. very funny. And I think uh, I think he and I talked briefly when I interviewed him last year when the Thundermen started, which is by the way going to a third season. Congratulations, Chris. Um, and you probably heard him on Thrilling Adventure Hour as well. He's he guests in from that on that from time to time. But um, you know it, it is funny because you know the rule on that is don't actually know anything about the authors you're talking about. But he did. Yeah. You know, he he did the improv thing of finding like a couple of key things about Edgar Rice Burroughs and just totally exaggerating. And it's Edgar Rice Burroughs is a lot like that how he was portrayed in as Nettie in the John Carter in the movie. John Carter movie. You know, yeah. just kind of a guy who's like oh, I'm, I'm writing a diary. You know. So anyway, love him. And and love that work, love it. So so you got the next one. I'm going to go with is uh, yes. Once again, friends, people that have been very kind to me in my life, uh, and Rafa, just generally nice people. Uh, Mike Wellman, who is the owner of the co- uh, co-owner of the Comic Bug uh, Two Store chain in Southern California, uh, and uh, Rafael Navarro, uh, who did illustrate uh, my story of Bella Lugosi's Tales from the Grave a, a while back. Uh, and just uh, collaborated with me. I shouldn't say illustrated. Collaborated because we were very simpatico. I wish that he had time to play with me more, but he doesn't. You know, because he's busy actually doing really good stuff. Uh, that he they did guns ablazing, which is at this point, unfortunately, once a year. I go to Comic Con. I go to their go to their booth. Uh, Atomic Basement Comics and Ninth Circle, but this is available in some shops. I know that it's available in the Bay Area at, at least at Elusive. Comics and games because Anna's friends with Mike and Raphael. That's how I met them. Uh, this is a book, uh, and I got first. It's uh, I'm the first copy sold because they. It's unbo- all scribbled unboxed. on. Yes, it is, but that makes <laughs> that makes it nice. It's better than I had a I had an issue with Spider Man once autographed by one of the Earth San Jose earthquakes, uh, which was just odd because a kid gave it to me and that's what he had he had had it signed by an earthquake. Um, but I, I forgot to mention in, in the dress rehearsal how I love the back copy. The back cover that is, is the awesome. Count Dante ad from the seventies, right? Um, the most the deadliest man alive, Black Dragon Fighting Society. But Guns Ablazing is this time travel story where thinly veiled versions of them. I mean, they might deny that, but the guy that looks like Raphael 
is so Raphael and his attitude if Raphael actually had time traveling abilities. You know, uh, <laughs> Mike, it's probably further I, from I'm Mike. I'm not sure that he doesn't. The man has, I, I suspect that the man is con- in more mutual friends lists on Facebook than anyone else. It is interesting when I just got, when I look, I, sometimes I do like to check that. Like, who else do we have? That's really surprising that you know so and so. Yeah. Um, and Mike, you know, is is just fine. Is great, but this book is, uh, you know, it's got post-apocalyptic goodness. It's prehistoric. It's Western. It's. I think they went to Camelot at one point, um, and they got uh, apparently the reaction from uh, for this third issue was good enough that uh, immediate. I should say immediate enough that Mike felt very jazzed, and I, th- I think he saw. I saw post saying he's going to try to make it more than once a year. Excellent. I hope so because this is a really good book. Are that, the back issues still available? Yeah, you can still you can okay. still get the first two. I, what I'm looking forward to is like, man, when they get a trade on this, it's going to be beautiful because I love Raphael's art, and I don't. It looks like it's kind of pastel, you know, when you look at it. It's um, he's done a lot of animation work, so you can you can tell that yeah that he draws a lot like kind of he's done he worked on I know the Batman and I think he did work on Tron's animated series, um you know so his care his work reflects that but it also has this kind of I'm trying to think of the, the artist he, uh, the the uh, Steve like Canyon Tim. who wrote who oh Milton Milton Caniff Caniff definitely a strong Caniff uh, yeah. definitely a strong Bruce Tim influence. I just love his work. And and I would say that even if... I mean, the thing is, actually, before I met him, I had seen El Somnambulo and gone, yeah, I like that book. Yeah. And then I met I've him. got all those. And, you know, and then I met him and, and, and it's... I, not that I would say... I don't think I've ever met a creator that I didn't like. Uh, yeah. No, he's like, just, he's just like such a... He's today. such a low... And always well-dressed. I believe yeah, that the oh. adjective natty was created for him. Yes. Uh, always cool every time i see him it's like well i envy that i wish that i was thin enough to get away with that outfit yeah his blood pressure is right above being dead i mean it's yeah. just like so <laughs> that's a compliment Raphael. <laughs> that's a compliment i can't I can't imagine the guy has any kind of hypertension at all in his body i've seen him stressed okay a stressed Raphael still pretty relaxed <laughs> okay. or at least appears to be so you know um I haven't run into Disneyland yet. I keep meaning to call him and say, like, let's go to Disneyland. Because a day at Disneyland with Raphael. That'd be fun. Would be, and he goes a lot, too. He has an annual pass, too. And it would be awesome. You I should have, go. I have run into Mike Wellman there. We've been in line for rides uh, at Disneyland together. And I'm like, Mike, Derek? You know, and it's like, hey. So, lovely family. Cool. Lovely store. Love it. The, the only thing that would make me want to move to Manhattan Beach is to be able to hang out at their store. Yeah, it, it's really fun. Yeah, so anyway. Go ahead. So, the next thing I have is stuff you can't buy, but you can get it right now by going on the web. I can? Yeah, because the first one was, uh, there's James S.A. Corey has written uh, a number of books in what's called the Expanse series, which has been picked up by the Sci-Fi Channel. It's going to come out And it's been retweeted like crazy. Thanks. And and I did an article on it uh, because we got to see the first episode. And I did an article on the cafe uh, installation. So this this is a prequel to the first book. Or to the to the whole series actually. Um, How many books are they up to? I think is I think it five. It's, it's it's either five or six. They just came out. The new one just came out. Oh, okay. That's yeah. It's only in hardback right now. Um, but you can go to expanse.sci-fi.com to uh, to read this. I believe. Um, I, I think you. And this was available at uh, what was the name of the restaurant that they renamed to the Expanse. Um, 
Mary Jane. Mary Jane, which, which we will now the, always remember because it's Nate's daughter's name. That's true. And no, I forgot too because I'd never see the sign, and then I actually had to go to the Sandy, the Hard Rock website to say to look at it. What is it when it's not Comic Con? Right. Uh, but uh, they were giving this away, and they were giving away Google Cardboard uh, that is that is branded for the well, expanse. To be fair, when we say giving away. That was with a with the purchase of a twenty dollar hamburger. I walked up and they handed it to oh, me. Oh, did you? Oh, yeah. Well, I made them. No, I didn't make a mistake. I do like the, Mary Jane. They're a little pricey, but it's I, good food. I've eaten there when it wasn't Comic Con. And I is it a little uh, cheaper? Uh, I don't remember it being cheaper, but it was really good at eleven thirty at night. Yeah, it's good food. So uh, the Google Cardboard is is basically a viewer. So by the way, I want to say we mentioned that because if the Hard Rock Hotel would like to put Fanboy Planet up next year, we'd be happy. We'd to. like a suite of rooms, please. Yes. I think we could all we could all tolerate being if we had a suite of like three. That's all we need. Yeah. So right next to Harrison Ford. Basically, what you get, what you got at the uh, the restaurant was a flat piece of cardboard that been folded over, and you un you unbundle it and yeah. then refold it, and it turns into that's a, pretty nifty. You built this tonight, a, last night. For no, the, I built this a couple of days ago. Yeah, but it, it was not your last and night. it's got a little switch on the side that that actually moves a magnet that control. That's how you control. This is there. That's how you control the uh, the phone you put into this. I lived long enough. That a that for a free piece of cardboard and three hundred dollars, I can duplicate the experience of my five dollar metal ViewMaster. Exactly. <laughs> well, except for this. And is by the way, I did have the metal one, the old old. This is this is a this is a a virtual reality viewer. Yes. Which With I love. this, you can do a bunch of Google um, demos that are up on the web. But you can also go to the go to get the Expanse app in either Google Play or the iTunes I'm have the to Apple build this Store. This weekend, because I think I will blow my son's mind. I recom- I-, I highly recommend looking up the video on how to assemble it because the instructions are not quite as clear as the video makes it. There's a couple Caveat of tricky emptor. a couple of tricky folds you have to do. But once you got it open. Uh, and and you put your phone in this and it's running. It's pretty cool. And the 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 I was up in the mountains with some friends this weekend and I'm passing us around the table and people were just getting blown away because you can go into the Palace of Versailles and look at they, that. They demoed it for me at Mary Jane's. Yeah. And I, I was like, yeah, that's what I'd hoped. So you were was. looking at the Canterbury of the 360 yeah. view around the, yeah, yeah. the ship, yeah. And I mean, yeah, that's why they did it, you know, because. But they, you, while you, while it's taking you around the ship, but you can also look up into oh, the no, sky. No, I did. Away. I, mean, I looked yeah. away, and uh, which is, you know, I should say, I, I think we talk, we're talking on the dress rehearsal last night um, that I really, I am fascinated by virtual reality and its implications for entertainment. And um, I was working on a project, and that's all I can say is I, I was working on a project for a VR film. And this is the summer at Comic-Con that I finally clicked. Like, one of the things that held me back, so I'm going to be a creative consultant. I didn't end up being the screenwriter um, as we went into development. That's Hollywood, right? Uh, one of the things that held me back was worried about how do you hold people's attention on what you want them to look at. Right. So in this case, it's a thing where it's like, well, they want you to be ooh ah, but I went. You know, I did the FX, the strain one, mm-hmm. and I walked out. And I, I walk, and, and later on the floor, ran into the guy that's producing this project I was working on, and I said, "I get it now. I'm sorry that I was so held back." And say, 
if they're not looking at what you want them to be looking at, you're not doing. You've screwed up. Yeah. But I listened to people at a conference who said this is the problem. I'm like, no, not if you're providing great enough content. Right. I would, you know, uh, that strain experience was. Uh, I was. I was very nervous to go in there. I want to watch the show. I never have, but I was very nervous to watch that because, and that was a Samsung Galaxy, I think, a new uh, that there, it was their VR system competi- competing with um, uh, with the Oculus Rift. It was dang good. Yeah. I mean, the thing is, people, I'll, I'll say it again. I'm back on my soapbox. When once these systems are available, and right there, you're holding one in your hand. That's probably decent but once they can get it where we've got the headphones and 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 when you've got a headset a helmet basically that is lightweight and available at toys r us everything's gonna change oh yeah everything it's gonna happen quick oh yeah so this the key and then the vampires are gonna take us down the key for this is that it's so inexpensive for google to have i mean the hardest part of this was figuring out how to package it and assemble it um, because you put a, you open it up and you put a phone into there. Now, I've been I've been saying this is going to be great for education. Like, oh, you got to have a phone. Yeah, but you don't have to have a phone that actually has a connection. All you need right. to do is you be able to hook up to a Wi-Fi. You just have to have so you, that third generation back phone that you don't use anymore. You just get, that you give it to the kid, puts it in there, and that's the education. Well, I've been device. saying for you know I, until I left education this year, they were it's like every teacher was getting exhausted by me coming up and saying this is going to happen you've yeah. got to get on top of it because the problem isn't that educators are that they're not forward thinking there's no money you yeah. know and, and and so they don't see the technology until it's been integrated if education could get on top of something like this mm-hmm. and, and be ahead of the game which by the way oculus too i i want to give credit to oculus they've got developers kits that are pretty reasonably priced and if you've got a smart computer science teacher although I don't like that term anymore because I actually had that argument with a with a vice principal where I said, uh, "Would you look at what you've made us integrate into our classes, and rightfully so, and tell me which of our classes does not involve computer science?" Yeah, it's an outdated fifties term, uh, you know. <laughs> so because they were forming a computer science department, and I went, "No, it's it's a technology department. That's reasonable." But uh, anyway. You know, they've got to catch up because they've got to get ahead of this because it is going to blow up once kids – and right. it's, a, it's a have and have not thing. Because once you get in a year, it's not happening quite as fast as I thought it was going to be. I thought by this time it would be, it would be exploding. It's going to explode within a year. I keep pushing that back a year. This, but is, still- th- this from Google is just – I'm not a Google fanboy, but – I will admit when they've done something awesome. As well, you should. This any is right, just any, amazingly any, awesome. I always give credit to anybody who does something good, yeah. whether or not I'm a fan of the company. And, and listener, if you want to get a hold of it, just Google free Google Cardboard. Just go, go on and search for it, and there's all kinds of sites that are offering you to send you a, a, a viewer. Yeah, so astounding. I, you know, I'm going to explore and, and have fun. And, and we have an interview going up with Roddenberry360, uh, another VR app coming up on a, on a podcast as well. So did an interview with Trevor Roth there. And you don't need it. There. We're just in an astounding time. Yes. We really are. Definitely. So my last uh, my last book is one that's going to be coming, I think. They're trying – I they try to gather some money at Comic-Con. I paid $5 for a thin book, but I went, you know what? I'm, there's always going to be one where I'm going to drop, drop 
money because I have no idea what it is. Right. And I want to take experiment. And this was a good gamble in that Derek Robertson, who's the uh, artist on The Boys and the artist on Transmetropolitan and Happy last year with Grant Morrison, um, Derek uh, did the art on this thing called Tooth and Mail, which I'm, uh, I will admit, uh, if you go to the website, it's uh, spacebastards.com. Um, I'm not sure when the actual book is supposed to come. It just says coming soon in the back. I think they were trying to see what would happen in Comic-Con. But go ahead. Um, beautiful looking book. First time I've ever read a comic book where I go, well, I don't want a movie or TV series, but I could totally see the video game happening because it's a, it's kind of a capture the flag thing. It's in the far future. Corporations have taken over the empire, basically. And the last kind of free-thinking, independent job you can have is being a postman. Delivering parcels from planet to planet, but the game is that uh, all everybody's an independent contractor trying to take each other out because the more times the parcel switches hands, the more money it costs to send it, which may seem counterintuitive, but basically uh, I could see it as a video game being a heck of a lot of fun. It's a decent story. It's just kind of it doesn't feel complete yet because they are trying to build a you know create a full on graphic novel or a series. Uh, I'm not even sure who the pub if they have a publisher or if they just self published this, but I'm sure you can poke around and find it, and you can at least go to spacebastards.com and check it out. Um, probably probably not something you need to warn people about with a name like Space Bastards, but it's definitely mature. Oh yeah yeah, yeah it subject will. matter. It, it what I looked at the art and then what it reminded me most of is like a combination of Trans Metropolitan and Lobo. Yeah, I'm getting a little Ghostbusters in there too. But well, that's because that guy looks like Slimer. Oh, well, the, the guy cover. in the center also yeah. kind of a out, well, of, out of his element. Well, he's the he's the he's the desk jockey, the human who gets laid off in a corporate takeover, and he's made redundant, and so he doesn't know what to do, and so he takes this offer to go to this planet, which is cool. basically a planet-sized. The post office is being run by a planet-sized Indian casino. I love everything about, you know, it, it, like I said, it'd be a really fun, irreverent game that I couldn't let my son play. Uh, but uh, I will probably be checking this out when it, com- when it comes out. So there, that's our, we, we, oh, uh, oh yeah, let's talk these okay. mangas. Because so we, we, this, this is both of us because we both have uh, this. But I went to the, um, the Viz booth, and aside from standing between two groups of girls that were so excited about all the Sailor Moon stuff they're going to be able to pick up. Which I mentioned now, I'm gonna, again, I'm going to have to email, as I mentioned, uh, in the dress rehearsal, they've retranslated uh, Sailor Moon. So that what, the, what Viz is selling is the original series with the Japanese sensibility instead of what was edited down for American consumption right. in the afternoons. Right. And the voice of Sailor Moon in that is Stephanie Shea, who has done a lot of, she was in Naruto and has done a lot of video games, a lot of the Resident Evil games. Uh, but she long ago, well, maybe not that long ago, we'll just, we'll, we'll leave that somewhere in the past, was uh, was one of my drama students the first time I taught when she was a, a freshman, uh, way, way back when. And uh, so we should tra- try to get Stephanie on this uh, podcast because I would not, you know, I don't know a lot about it, but... Um, well, there were. I She's mean, the reason the I have fan a, base uh, I have strong. a venture brother on my phone. I have a phone number. Okay, that we could dial at any time. Okay, and get, and we would get Dean. Okay, so I will never use it. It's a responsibility. Well, there were there right. were there were there were groups of girls, and each one laying down like two hundred dollars for the same package of all the stuff that they could buy at that booth. I, however, was on a quest for 
Ultraman. The Ultraman package included their their first uh, volume of manga from this new reboot they've been doing. Which, now, this first volume is, like, this is brand new as far as what they've released, right? There's yeah. not, like, a whole bunch of them that I need to no, go and no, track down. No, I think this is... Because, a- damn them, I will. Yeah. And this came along with a non-articulated... Uh, but still beautiful. Uh, ...figure of... Ultraman and of the yeah. new Ultraman, and it's it's lovely. It's in my den right now, next to my 1960s Ultra, Ultraman, who stands a little taller, but is by no means as detailed as this. This it's guy on is. my table next to the Dorb's rocket raccoon that my son <laughs> made me buy last weekend. Nice. They both watch over him. Nice. So, but this is definitely one of those action uh, Ultraman where I mean, like, there's it's a there's fast a, read. There's but a I didn't lot feel of page off. P- page flipping. Um, going on and you were you i haven't read this one yet you've read it yeah and you were saying that it's it's more a homage to the 1960s it's definitely it's a direct sequel to the first series and when we say that is like that's the series and i don't know if in japan i suspect that it's very because i saw uh, a trailer there's a reboot for ultraman coming okay for the original series uh coming to cinemas they're doing a, a, a movie in japan and and it's been kept alive as a movie series uh, distributed by Warner in Japan uh, for quite some time because I have a possibly bootlegged illegal copy of uh, of one set on the planet of the Ultraman and that I couldn't figure out how to on my PlayStation do the subtitles so I don't really know what's going on but I still watched it and was riveted uh, but um, but in America we only we really only do know I mean there was that Australian co-production right that one and then there was one called in the eighties, uh, and there were there were two because there was one on Fox too. Ultraman Tiga, there were two. There was yeah. one with Australia, and then there was one that was strictly Japanese dubbed in. Right, it's called Ultraman Tiga, and um, so there've been several younger brothers, if you will, of the first one. Well, the Australian one was definitely a reboot of the one we'd seen in the sixties. It was this, there was a science patrol, and there was one but guy they weren't who turned the, out. But they Ultraman. weren't science. They weren't the science patrol. They were called something else. Every yeah, every was, one of the series has like it's like Power Rangers. Every one of the series has picked up the same concept. The trope was pretty much the same. The trope is always the same. Is yeah. what I'm saying. It's like because the, in the Planet of the Ultraman movie, that's the one thing I I did get is there's like this group of old men sitting around a campfire, and they're all people that have been possessed by an ultra. Uh, so the original Hayata was there and he pulled out his beta cap. So each one of them does their transformation in exactly the same way they did on their original okay. series. So okay. that's the only, I, I speak from that experience of having seen that scene and a single tear rolled down my face. Uh, it's, 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 it's Hayata. It's really the same guy. Um, but this is, yes, this is direct where it, it picks up in the way that I love a, you know, thinking about this is the revelation comes that the Science Patrol, if you're familiar with the series, um, Science Patrol was this quasi-scientific police organization that Hayata was a member of. Ultraman cra- uh, was chasing out a monster. I love the fact that their uniforms included ties. I love that. I love seeing people cosplay that. Like, I would totally love They were like in spacesuits with ties. ties. <laughs> I love it. Um, and they're kind of motorcycle cops. Because I think motorcycle cops had to wear ties in Japan for a while. I okay. think that's what it was really kind of based on. But they, um, anyway, I, uh, Ultraman was chasing a, an, a giant monster to Earth. There was a crash. Hayata, the agent of the of the science police, was injured, possibly fatally. So Ultraman shares his life energy. And so through the beta capsule, they have to switch back and forth. That's for anybody who hasn't watched the series. And Gaz Gretzky's probably listening going, 
that was kind of a crappy summation. But anyway, um, we got to have you on, Gaz. The thing is, up to that point, uh, you know, and the series ends. Ultraman goes away. Hayata is restored, and the interesting plot point that the that the manga picks up is Hayata has no memory mm-hmm. of Ultraman's presence on Earth, and so he has like three or four years of blank of blanks in his memory, and. He goes, I know, people tell me that Ultraman was there, I, you know, and blah, blah, blah. And then it's revealed that the Science Patrol always knew that he was Ultraman. And, right. they, and they were keeping the secret from him, too. But now he has a son, and they're calling it Ultra Energy. So that his son, actually, he, Hayata, actually st- has residually got strength, some limited strength and invulnerability from having been okay. Ultraman. And, but now he's an old man. But his son has it, too. So they have to, you know, and the alien monsters are coming back. Yeah. So it was a... And this is saying, and the the promise on the cover, this is this is the beginning of a new, new age. age. Did you throw away the box? Because I did. The, the box of the... Of the, of the figurine came I in? I did. Okay. I, I In a moment of willpower, I tore that box well, open. I, I posted because I, I, I broke some of my friend's heads with the hilarious... I, I've got to admit that the box had a tagline... That was so. Come on. Um, so anyway, anyway, it was a very silly tagline that made I had people proposing like, "That hurt my head to read." Like, come on, Viz, isn't there a copy editor somewhere that can make it not sound so pretentiously Japanese? Like, yes, you know, English. Uh, but since I'd been in line for long enough to pick up the Ultraman, I was looking around for something else to pick up, and there it was on the shelf. Um, All you need is kill. The manga, which is about a, you'd say that's about an inch and a half thick of uh, of manga pages, um, and this I've, I've been reading through this I'm about halfway through. This is the manga adaptation of the book, the book which was adapted into was the it movie. a novel first? Then? Yes, oh, I thought it was it, a novel I thought it first. was a manga first. It was a novel first. Uh, all you all you need is kill, which was adapted into Edge of Tomorrow. Is that right? Yes. Edge, yeah. Although the better title now on home video is Live, Die, Repeat. Yes. Yeah, yeah. So, so um, and this this is just, uh, actually, I this is very, very similar uh, to a lot of the manga that I would read. Um, it's much more detailed than the Ultraman one. It's it's more of along the lines of, um, oh, any of, the, any of the epic ones like, uh, oh, geez, I'm, I'm drawing a blank now. Um. Yeah, <laughs> we're both failed by our. <laughs> it's 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 uh it's getting late. Oh, sorry, but it's uh, it's it's a great. Uh, I'm going to start this all over. So you can do that. This is this is a very nice adaptation of the the novel, and I'm looking forward to uh, finishing it. And it that's. The nice thing about this is it's not a series, so it's done. Just at, a graphic novel. I like so, that too. Um, so that that was uh, that was our what's in the bag Comic Con edition. And now I'm obsessed with finding this Ultraman back. Okay. So yes, now let's move to movies. Uh, you know what's in the cinema? What are the rumors? What's happening here? And. Uh, there wasn't as much out, you know, I, I think that uh, most of the consensus is the television kind of ruled Comic-Con this year. I would say that when your Saturday night panel in Hall H is, I mean, other than Star Wars, because there's no question that Star yeah. Wars was huge. 
but that doc, Doctor Who obviously was huge. We've got a lot of mm-hmm. coverage there on on Fanboy Planet. Uh, but Saturday Night was, and this was brilliant on on Warner Brothers Television's part. Uh, you know, they had a three hour panel in Hall H in the evening, so they could bring out all the stars of their CW and upcoming CBS show, Supergirl, and then could uh, and then as they were showing videos like uh, season wrap ups. Uh, you know, here's what happened on Arrow last year, and Stephen Amell comes out in the new costume live, so it's introduced that now, way. Now, have they been using Hall H in the evenings in the last couple of years, or is this a new thing? I think that's a uh, – no, I think last year they did they did the same okay. thing, Steve, because Stephen Amell had been like – I mean, he's the Robert Downey Jr. of the DC Universe sure, right now. There's no, no question. He's a great, great interactor. He's very active on social media. He's definitely one of the new age wave of celebrities. You know Which is I mean? sad because, you know, Ben Affleck could step up to the, to do that or, you know – yeah, that's. But I don't think I, I don't think he knows. I, I I don't think the movies know, and because they're keeping it separate. Yeah, that's the other difference is because television and movies are separate in DC right. and Warner. Having a guy stump for it all, like a couple of years ago, they really tried. They that's I think that's one of the reasons Ryan Reynolds got how the role of Hal Jordan mm-hmm. was because they thought he was one of the few people that could hold his own. Against Robert Downey Jr., people started comparing because you may love him or hate him. Ryan Reynolds is an incredibly witty man, which is why he's so perfectly suited for Deadpool uh-huh. and not so perfectly suited for Hal Jordan. Agreed. But they wanted somebody, and there was a documentary they released in which Ryan Reynolds was narrating. They were hoping that everything about him would be that guy, and they nobody looked to Arrow. And then Stephen Amell turns out to be, dude, I'm in, you know, and yeah. he's there and he's tweeting and he's Instagramming. Yeah. He's on Facebook inviting you to things. The one reason I, uh, we actually say the one, the main reason I would want to go to that Heroes and Villains convention is because I want to see him live because I've always been someplace else when he's been at Comic-Con. Yeah. And uh, he is just, he's just dynamic. So, uh, and but anyway, they were releasing out, you know, throughout the evening. As John Barrowman told going, some awesome stories about walking around, uh, Downtown, uh, although he, uh, at San Diego, at drunk, drunk, one, with, drunk with Stephen, he Amell. does say Amel is a little, um, little more uptight than than John Barrowman. But if, if you've ever seen the Torchwood crew and the Doctor Who crew, what you can get away with in England uh-huh. <laughs> on a set is very different from because apparently, oh, yes, it's very difficult to keep to not see John Barrowman's junk if you're on a. British television series, right, right, right. But he realized that he would probably get an arrow to his junk if he ever flashed Stephen Amell. So, uh, yeah, th- that's no secret. Apparently, John Berriman tells that story at every convention he, he as well. Told it at Comic Con. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, and you can hear him tell it again at Heroes and Villains Fan Fest. Uh, so, anyway, um, so they were tweeting out. Uh, they, they were uh, not tweeting out. They were emailing out as as we're going through, like. Here's the video. This is television is saying like yeah. here here here's the video we just show we just showed. So go ahead and put it on your site. Here's the what his costume looks like. As the panel's happening, websites are getting if you're on the mailing list, they're blog it, go ahead, share it out, you know. And yet they're still telling people not to videotape it in the hall. Right. But here's the thing is then yeah, flip side was for the movies, Warner was very upset. You got this surly, you know, the trailer for Suicide Squad leaked out. Yeah. Because I, I watched eight seconds, nine seconds of it when it's so badly shot. Uh, of the pirated version. I'm like, I normally don't. But it was like so many people were sending me the link and saying, catch it while you can. And I finally went, okay, I'll, uh, you know, I'll look. 
and then and nine seconds in, I was like, no, this is why I don't want to look because yeah. I'm not really appreciating it. I'm not seeing no. what I want to see. So they released a high def trailer later and set edition of it and with a surly note that we tried to keep it. Blah, blah, blah. It's like, no, give in because there's no point yeah. anymore to hiding this from people. Yeah. This is the world we live in. Don't be, don't be controlling. Just be open. The people that are in Hall H are there because they want to be able to say they were there. Yeah. They don't want to be there. They, they don't care that somebody else got to see the trailer. They care they got to see it first, even if it was only three minutes before anybody else did. Do you remember, did you see or hear of any panel where they had swag for the audience? Where they, had, they got like a coupon or something they had to go back and turn in? Yeah, there were a few. But I remember when I was there, there were lots of, you know, there were lots of things you had to, like when Captain America yeah, came yeah. out. There was mm-hmm. a Game of Thrones bag. I got a Game of Thrones bag. Okay. Um, there was... I didn't... I, the, there were a few because like I know the there, was still, there was still a fulfillment. There was still a fulfillment room. Yeah. Uh, and I got a bag. I got a Game of Thrones knapsack that had the latest, the latest paperback novel okay. edition. You know, so I... I Looked at that and went crap. Now I have to read them, uh, you know. But then somebody at work told me, "No, Too bad. no, no," because thanks, you know, I am grateful. Somebody gave me a couple of books for my birthday, and I'm like, I hope I get to those before I turn sixty. Yes, uh, you know, you will. <laughs> so um, there are books on this table right now that I'm like, I would actually like to read those. But anyway, um, so Suicide Squad uh, released, and we had no. I think our consensus last night in the dress rehearsal was that trailer did nothing to intrigue us, and they're totally it actually s- sucked any intrigue I had. They're se- well, you know, I, I'm all, I'm at this point where I go, look, the reality is, I know I'll see it. It's yeah. like the Batman v Superman with people getting outraged with that, and the trailer that came out for that. I'm like, yes, there are many things that outrage me, and I got into discussion at work about it, and I'm like, but I also have to go. But I'll see it, mm-hmm. and I know I will. So I'm, I'm not. I, I just, you know, I just refuse to be too disappointed or too excited. The thing is with Suicide Squad is they're very clearly marketing on the thing that's actually probably should be the least important element of Suicide Squad, which is the Joker Batman relationship. We know right. even there that. Ben Affleck was on set. That was a poorly kept secret. And oh my God. You know, it's one of those things where everybody's like going, uh, I think it was Charlie McCollum from the Mercury News that he and I were, were together one evening for a rehearsal for Shakespeareans. And he said, Is the Suicide Squad set the single worst secured set <laughs> in the history of film or what? <laughs> You're right, because things are, something leaked today that they didn't want out. And it's like, what is going on? Is it that bad? It's like, and why are people leaking it? Why? How can a movie as bad as we suspect the Fantastic Four is have no information except for what the except for what Fox wants to control? And a movie that people and are, Denny's and Denny's. Well, yeah, got a great fruit pancake breakfast <laughs> for the Invisible Woman, um, and a Doom chocolate sundae. Anyway, uh, you know, they, they leaked that again. But but they're selling all, all, all the wrong things there. I, that didn't get me excited. Batman v Superman didn't get me too excited. And, in fact, there's a line from Diane, um, from Ma Kent in that Batman v Superman trailer where I agree oh, with, yeah. with Troy Benson, just went, who, who saw it first, sent me the link and said, did you see this? And what parallel universe did they exist in? Because that's not Ma Kent. And I'm like... You are yeah. D- Diane Lane is the actress I'm thinking of. Is 
he's right. And I got into that argument this week at work where I just said, you can like Man of Steel. I'm fine with that. I'm not going to hate anybody for that. Yeah. Uh, I just, and I'm in, I have my ambivalence towards it, but one of the things that I think they did wrong was that's just not the Jonathan and Martha Kent. No. And a, a Martha Kent that says, you don't owe this world a thing, that's not... Right. You know, that's someone with a deep... That's a screenwriter with a deep, deep misunderstanding of why we love that character. Of why that character is loved. Yeah. It, it's it's the, the why he grew up... Why an alien grew up with such core... And I'll say it, American values. There's nothing wrong with saying that because I think the thing is, when I talk about the so-called American values with capital A and V, mm-hmm. it's the hypo- hypothetical. It's the yeah. ideal of right. what we could be. I, in college, I actually wrote an essay on this saying, like, is a, 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 a TA tried to take us down by saying, you know, is the it, 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 are all these great speeches and the Star-Spangled Banner or all these things, you know, are they, or the Declaration of Independence is a failure as a document. And I said, the thing is, they're all ideals. Of course we all fail to live mm-hmm. up to the ideals. When I talk about the American way and the belief that we, that it's, you know, and especially our fiction, our fictional characters are representing the best of what Americans can be. Right. Do I think America is that right now? I don't know. Do I think it could be? Sure. I g- agree with Robert F. Kennedy who said basically, you know, don't think about what isn't. Hey, don't be just, right. by, I'm, I'm mangling his quote, but it's like, Ask why it's not what it could be. And I think too many of us sit there and go, it can't be, or, it oh, isn't. it is. There are, I think there are a lot of people that think it is, and they're wrong. Yeah. Um, we got to keep working at it. But they think it is because they've got a new truck. But Superman doesn't need to work at it. Superman is. And he has that advantage of being fictional, so that's okay. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but uh, the other thing that came out was that uh, – you know, there's a Green Lantern movie coming again in 2018 or 19 or 20, or may never happen because Superman v Batman v Superman and Suicide Squad will tank. Uh, I hope not, but I I also don't have faith in Batman v Superman because I don't think Warner Brothers does by putting it in March. That's not a yeah. yeah that's just, that that's the Daredevil movie slot. <laughs> So uh, that was actually February. Or the Ghost Rider. Oh, please don't be as bad as Ghost Rider. <laughs> please don't be as bad as Ghost Rider. But anyway, uh, that's the slot that those were in. See, you're saying please don't be as bad as Ghost Rider. I'm saying please try and at least be as good as Ghost Rider. <laughs> okay. Well, um, well, uh, we're saying the same thing from different viewpoints, yeah. uh, from different angles. Uh, but, but they did announce that the Green Lantern movie is going to be Green Lantern Core. And the big rumor before Comic-Con had been that Chris Pine was going to play uh, Hal Jordan. But the rumor now is, uh, which is actually back to the original rumor, is that he has actually signed, though Warner Brothers has not confirmed it as of this post, this recording, that he's going to be Steve Trevor in Wonder Woman. So my Facebook feed yesterday was with people tearing their sackcloth shirts of, no, what a non-starter character is Steve Trevor. And I'm like, then you haven't paid attention to what DC has done with the character, I think, as you said last night to me, it's like he's like the Nick Fury yeah. of the DC universe now, and I think that there could be something interesting with Chris Pine being Steve Trevor. That's very counter to what what I think you perceive Steve Trevor, but my vision of Steve Trevor is the best Wonder Woman movie, hands down, was the animated film they did, and Nathan Fillion played yeah. Steve Trevor yeah. in that and was great, and he was he was uh, roguish and rakish. And and yet still, when the chips were down, the hero that you know Steve Trevor to be and mm-hmm. 
you know, so I think that's Chris Pine, especially after, you know, I watched Into the Woods, man. He, he, his Prince Charming in, in, in right. the Woods was like, well, that really is a very Man good. can splash. And he can sing. Mm. And he can rip his shirt open. Um, <laughs> I'm sorry. There's a man crush I'll admit to. Uh, anyway. Oh, and then another rumor that came up today as a result, just because we've got news, is that uh, we go to Marvel, is that uh, uh, Channing Tatum who became like my hero after Comic-Con because they had this panel with all the Fox characters, which I didn't even realize that the cast of Fantastic Four was there because no one said anything. They did a selfie with all the X-Men and with the Fantastic Four and Deadpool cast wow. with, Stan, with Stan Lee from the stage at Hall H. And nobody pointed out that the cast of Fantastic Four was there. No one cared, you know. Uh, so, But the big news had been that Channing Tatum was there. And then when the panel was over... And all the all the celebrities all gather around going, hey, it's nice to see you, blah, 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 all the cast members. And Channing Tatum, who is going to supposed to play Gambit in a movie that has not even begun production yet, was the only one that noticed Stan Lee was up there and needed help getting off the stage. So Channing Tatum just stepped away and helped Stan Lee off. And so he's kind of like, you know, that guy's Channing Tatum's a really cool guy. Mm-hmm. Rumor is now he's not going to be Gambit. I'm like, why would you go to Comic-Con and make an appearance two weeks ago and then decide you don't want to be in this movie? Uh, you know, when the only reason they're doing a Gambit movie is because Channing Tatum was interested in playing Gambit. And the only reason I'm interested in seeing a Gambit movie is, and I can't believe, because anyone can recall, how much I hated G.I. Joe and how much I hated Channing Tatum as a result. But now the only reason I want to see a Gambit movie is because I like Channing Tatum. He's totally turned me around. And I want to see him play a superhero. Because he also went on the Howard Stern show and admitted that he also hated Rise of Cobra, and uh, that's why yeah. he, and that's why yeah. he got himself killed off in the second movie. Uh, like, well, you have taste, but I understand contracts can cause some difficult things to happen. So, um, I like Channing Tatum. I want him to be Gambit. I'm hoping those rumors are not true, but mm, yeah, you know, we shall see. Hugh Jackman also tweeted out uh, a picture of himself, fantastic photo you can see on Fanboy Planet, but it's too late to actually respond back to him of him holding the one claw popping the one claw out and says one last time hashtag one last time so we asked the fans two days ago what do you want to see in my last outing as wolverine and i'll read as many responses as i can and get that feedback another star who gets it whether it's right or wrong at this point the interaction with the fans is how you build and i know a lot of actors and good ones uh both on camera and voiceover who don't get that you know, and so I'm not. I, I, we're learning that here for even getting involved, you know, with with blogs that you got to be in that social media, and Hugh Jackman does too. Well, it it turns small stars into big stars. That's true. And it's well, something you we that you posted that, that thing about Electra Woman and Dina Girl. There, yeah. there would be no Electra Woman and Dina Girl if YouTube didn't hadn't built celebrities. That's a, I don't know if it is a game changer of the game already changed, but that the fact that two people who had found a niche doing kind of funny yet semi-serious short videos you know i mean the, the yeah. drunk drunk cooking my drunk kitchen in my drunk kitchen um i've never watched and any of those grace. but but that they're that they're, that they're actors who then got a series that's all going to be run on youtube and i got another uh message about uh, another uh press release about that you know youtube has a studio mm-hmm. in la and they're actively developing shows and series and what's what's the difference between YouTube and Netflix? Just the content. 
well, YouTube has uh, yeah. Well, no, not just the content because Netflix charges me eight ninety five a month. Oh, that's true. <laughs> <laughs> so, so YouTube is so free. YouTube is free <laughs> with hmm. commercials. I've been played for a sucker, except there's nothing on YouTube that I want to watch yet. No, but I can easily see a day coming soon, and that's when YouTube starts when, charging. When you charge and you don't get the commercials, and then Netflix may have to say, "Well, we're free, but you get commercials." And we're no. I'll tell you why Netflix isn't going to have to say that. Why not? Because the rumor today is that Disney is not going to go to ABC with a live action Star Wars series. Uh oh. They may go to Netflix directly because wow, there's a huge. We'll get. To, we'll talk about television, but that was a rumor that cropped up today to add to the dress rehearsal news we had last night about TV with Netflix. So we'll add there. Um, and so let's go, let's just talk about TV because a couple things that we talked like about last TV. night that are not news anymore. So we'll just cut. But we do know uh, out of Comic Con that uh, well, I I posted reviews of Kiss uh, Scooby Doo and Kiss uh, Rock and Roll Mystery, in which uh, you know my son said, "Oh, this Kiss group is pretty good." I did like the picture of of Scooby dressed up as a Kiss. I think you'd actually, because you watched that Mystery Incorporated series, right? It's the I watched a couple of the episodes. There was a Doc Savage crossover thing. Yeah. It's the same guys, the same writers and, and directors, uh, Tony Cervone and Spike Brandt. And I was really impressed, one, with the tone of how they can do these self-aware jokes mm-hmm. that don't call attention to how self-aware they are. It didn't feel like, like oh, kids, it's not... It's not that it's not going over their heads. It's just like it It still is fun without being like arch. Right, right. And like, oh, because there was a Scooby-Doo special when they had David Cross as the celebrity guest that was all about, mm. aren't we making fun of, you know, yeah. it's not making fun of it. It's just part of the game now. And uh, Kiss was, I, it's time for Kiss to just take an anime, have an animated series for kids. Or if you must, Adult Swim, because their, their title sequence was really cool stylized. I was like, I could totally watch a whole episode of a kiss animated series in that style without going too far away from scooby-doo those are cinematic productions those are are. not like the you know running down the hallway with the same door going by no they're really they're shadows it's it's, really well it was really fun i this is the first of those that i picked that i had watched and and it was because of kiss uh that i was interested and I really, really liked it. And like I said, I think Kiss should do an animated series. What impressed me about Kiss is how they still keep the bare bones of the mythos that they created in that Marvel Super Special yeah. the, long ago. Only now it's being played for laughs. And so, it, yeah. I, Phantom of the Park? Or, no, no. Okay. That's that's, that's the live action movie. There was a Marvel Super Special comic book. Oh, yes, yes, yes. Where they got the superpowers. There were two issues of that. No, it was, it was just one. Then other. Oh, you're right. There was a Kiss 2. Yeah. Um, and then where did they first actually appear in comics uh, oh god it's driving me nuts right into edit no I gotta say it go ahead because otherwise sorry, you're not Howard the Duck number 13 right they were in Window Wester's uh, mental they stepped forward and said kiss it smack it and then a month later out came the Marvel Super Special uh-huh. so their first appearance was in Howard the Duck number 13 if you'd like to run to eBay and uh, find that one because <laughs> uh, both Howard the Duck and Kiss are hot again uh, but anyway uh, no matter how many different publishers they've gone through I think Platinum did it once Dynamite had them for a little bit um, this still concept but, but the problem is that once they left Marvel they tried to be so pretentious about it and like gothic and scary in the heavy metal 
But when you play it for laugh, uh, or when you play it just for adventure, mm-hmm. and cosmic, very heavily influenced by Jack Kirby, you got to watch it because the the artwork is like that's like one of those blacklight Jack Kirby posters you had in the seventies, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. you know, the background, uh, Kisteria, the alternate uh, dimension, and it was you know it was like watching that going, this would just be so fun, <laughs> and they and or give or give Gene Simmons. His own cartoon because he's dying too. You know, it's like out of all of them, he definitely puts the most effort into creating a character. Oh yeah, and uh, you know, so it, it it was fun. It was fun. But and then the other one I reviewed this week was Justice League: Gods and Monsters. And why I bring it up is because that was shown at Comic Con, and it's this dark take on uh, on the Justice League or really the Trinity. Uh, and I liked it better than I thought I would. I'm gonna have to watch the web series. Uh, which I did not get today, just like Gods and Monsters Chronicles, available on Machinima. Machinima? Machinama? I don't know. It's a, it's, I think it's an IGN-related uh, website. But anyway, um, they announced they were doing uh, going to adapt The Killing Joke. So now the rumor is, and you can look at the article on, on Fanboy Planet, that Mark Hamill may return. He wants to. Maybe he already did because someone had tweeted that, had posted that, that, oh, no, but it's one of those unconfirmed rumors, you know, that, uh, you know, uh, sources within have said, but nothing official has come out. And Kevin Conroy would like to do it. So we'd like to to see that. What a great farewell that would be. Now, you, uh, we also have some some news about Doctor Who. There had been a lot there that the ending of season eight, the, the final two episodes with a prequel to season nine is going mm-hmm. to be shown in 3D at theaters all across America only on my birthday. as a fathom event. You keep saying that, but you know what? You should really. It's pander. on my birthday. Yeah. Oh, I realized nobody heard that because we lost that episode where you kept saying that. <laughs> and what date is that, Rick? That would be the fifteenth of September. Okay, September fifteenth, four days before season nine actually begins on a Saturday night in, uh, and they're, they're actually doing it on fourteenth and fifteenth. It's two nights. Two two dates are being right. it's being shown. Um, they're going to show the last two episodes. Yeah, the, I was confused uh, by that too. Are they, they're going to do one episode one night and one episode. That's too. It's weird. not like Nicholas Nickleby. You don't have to yeah. go back the next night. Um, but but they're doing it in three D. Fathom events at movie theaters across, across the country. Yeah, uh, definitely worth it because they're fun in three D. There'll be a special greeting and interviews with the uh, doctor's Peter meditation. That's right. That's what it's called. So. Um, Check that Which out. Which I suspect is part of the dialogue that's going over the first the first part of the season nine trailer. Yeah. Yeah. So you can you can see all that coverage on Fanboy Planet as well. Uh so the Netflix announcement that uh, was kind of made yesterday, they they did a I can't, I don't know if you call it an upfront, and that's the weird thing. People are going like there's a web service, an internet service that's having a, like a standard television upfront. As, which is what happens when they go and they present all their new series, all their new shows. They picked up Longmire uh, from the USA. I think it's the USA Network, a series that had been that canceled. One. It's a it's a Midwestern sheriff drama that people really like. I, I have mm. some friends that love that show, and I, I've never watched it because it's just so much. you know. And if there's not like a science fiction element, I've just decided, no, I'm turning my back on it completely. Um, because I have no time for realistic drama. Right, I've got right, enough right. of that in my life. Uh, give me something fantastic. So anyway, Netflix did say that, uh, that, that you know, we before 2015 is over, they will release the Jessica Jones, a.k.a. Jessica Jones uh, series. Before 2015 is over. Oh, before 2015 is over. End of the year, 13 episodes. 
Kristen Ritter playing the part. We know that Luke Cage will be in it. Uh, and then they said every six months a new Marvel series will come, whether it will be either a new series completely or the, or the next season of a series. When this deal was originally announced, that we were supposed to all team up for a five-episode miniseries called The Defenders. That may not happen for a long time now because I don't think that they were prepared, honestly, for how huge Daredevil was going to go over. Right. I got my problems with Daredevil, but there's no denying it is the most watched original series they've ever had. So it also makes sense what I was saying there about Disney saying maybe Star Wars should go there. And a lot, at least one live action series. And there's that one that was scrapped, but I'm seeing a lot of evidence around the web that Detours, the Seth Green produced one where uh, 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 Seth MacFarlane played Palpatine. Uh, it's animated series making fun of, it's almost like a tag and being Sir Dead yeah. kind of thing. Yeah. Um, that Detours was finished. That they actually have all those episodes. And what a perfect place to to burn those off on Netflix where, hmm. um, you know, I'm seeing a lot of evidence because uh, somebody in Justice League Gods and Monsters, I looked her up on IMDb, um, I think it's the person who voiced, not not Becca, that's uh, voicing uh, Tina, Tina Magnus, uh, Platinum, basically, oh. uh, is, was listed as being, IMDb has Detours listed as a 2015 series, even though it was finished two years ago, hmm. which means somebody's looking at it actively. So I think that may be one possibility if that rumor is true. Most people had thought that uh, Disney wanted to put together an Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. and right. Star Wars right. Night, but um, you know, if they've got a whole series ready to burn, just and they, and the reason they held back on it because it was it was Detours was shot. When Lucas George Lucas still owned Lucasfilm, or or at least was agreed to, but Disney, when they wanted to go forward with Episode Seven, didn't want to confuse younger fans by having a show making fun of sure things, so, which actually makes a lot of sense. And it's one you know well, they I wanted to be free. Netflix is actually a it's it is a new method of watching TV, and I'm not talking about delay or anything. I'm talking about binge. That there are people who just like to binge watch their stuff. So you, if you can if you can land a whole series where I can just sit down and spend the whole weekend watching it, I will tell you that I mean, has an appeal. To but me. that wasn't new to me, except uh, because like when I would have my summer vacations when I was teaching, um, that's how I finished up Smallville. And we're different, but I think this is no. something that's falling into the mainstream. Oh no, no, no! I know, I understand. I, 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 I'm saying I don't have the time to binge watch now because right. I don't have that, you know, month where it's like, well, what am I going to do for these three days? And yeah, but you and I, when we get uh, in the evening, we're still working on stuff. And there are right. a lot of people who five o'clock rolls around. I'm going to home, have a beer, and I'm going to watch TV no, for four hours. But you know, that's how I got involved. That's how I got hooked on Doctor Who. Yeah, I, I won't. In in day in younger days when I. Uh, when Doctor Who had not been shown on tele- on American television yet, I may have found uh, nefarious ways of uh, of getting it. And I I said I had to watch two hour two episodes a night. Back I I mm-hmm. binge watched Doctor Who in a week the the Eccleston the Ninth Doctor season, and I shouldn't have because I had work to do as a teacher. But I was just like so hooked on that I could not wait. Yeah. I knew the whole season was out there, and it is you know I 
So I get the instinct. I just don't have time to do it. I'll, I, I probably I got through Daredevil fairly fast. It only took me like a week and a half, two weeks. Um, but you know, yeah, it's uh, it, that is it, that is a thing. And which is what's the series that they are releasing? Just they were releasing one that's only once a week. Netflix has been controlling, try, experimenting to to try to do like that kind of. I'm not aware. Release. And I know Yahoo did that with Kim, Community. It was they were releasing Community episodes once. Wasn't a week. the Kimmy um, Unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt? All all the episodes were, all were dumped okay. at once. Well worth watching. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, very funny show, but um, it was not that alternative. So we shall see there. I and I, I did want to mention there was. I don't think we even talked about it on the podcast last night. IDW has sold a series to USA. Okay. Uh, called Brooklyn Animal Control about a. a a branch of the police force that uh, the animals are werewolves. So okay. it's a werewolf regulation uh, force. Uh, so that's why USA has picked it up. Um, I don't know anything about it. I've never read the series, but, uh, you know, again, when we talk about, oh, we're living in such a time where we are living in such a time where, I mean. You can't keep track of it. I, I, I can't, but it's so many different publishers are. I just got a press release from a company that was formed that said they're developing a Paul Pope graphic novel, which I think I had heard of the graphic novel, but it was an old one from like 1990, then 90s somewhere. But they they said that they were one of the guys that was running it was from, from the well-known publisher Z2. Um, yeah, I'd never heard of them. Sure. <laughs> I'm, I'm, but, you know, I think what happens is, you know, and this is the way you play the game, too. Right. Is that you send that press release out to some people. And they'll And they it. go, oh, it must be. Yeah. You know, and, and, or it could be, because I look at the Eisner sometimes and I go, I haven't heard of half these publishers. I've never seen them. They're smaller. But I saw, it, you know, it was one that was around my Facebook feed today. Entertainment Weekly did an interview uh, with his creator, with his publisher, um, it was, she's changing the face of how, how sexuality is being dealt with in comics. And it's like an anthology book with all kinds of different and you know, good for it. I wish I'm sorry that I'm blanking on the name of the book, but the thing is I'd never heard of it. It's going into its fourth issue. And that's why entertainment weekly is paying. And then when I actually read their interview and at the bottom it said, where's it available? It's strictly comicsology. Okay. But that's become big enough. Yeah. That entertainment weekly is paying attention. And so, as I've often said, it's probably making an impact with somebody that's not me because I can't keep track. And at this point in my life, I go, look, I know I'm kind of a superhero geek and that's just going to be, that's what I like. And that's my escapism. And I still, but I still have a stack of books that have nothing. I mean, Tooth and Mail, uh, Guns of Blaze, and what else did I buy? I mean, you know, I've got that Hat Aram, this. uh, Doctor Who. Doctor Who, Zombie Wives. Well, it's actually. Supernatural law, uh, you know, Wolf and Bird, uh, right, Attorney right, for the right. Macabre, you know, great stuff. But um, I try to branch out where I can, but you can't keep track of it. And, and that's what Ryan Higgins from Comics Conspiracy and I talked about when Diamond Heads Mission is like, it used to be that you could put, you could get your books on a Wednesday morning and put them out, and you had only 40 books, you know, and so, you know, less than 200 a month that you had to deal with. And now it's like a thousand. Yeah. And it takes as much effort with a point of sale thing to process the book that they only sell one copy of as opposed to the book that they sell 
200. And that's why digital is becoming so important for a lot of the smaller ones because you don't have to worry about getting on that shelf. You don't have to worry about the guy who's going to take a chance to put you on the well, shelf. Well, I had a conversation with a, conversation with a couple of people at Comic-Con uh, where I said flat out, um, and I say this knowing that I have supported uh, on Kickstarter some, a couple of things, and I have a friend who's about to relaunch uh, a, a book on Kickstarter, mm-hmm. and he's not asked that opinion, but somebody else did, and I said... I, Having gone through being published by three different companies and and at least one of them being very, very close to, you know, being high up in it, um, catastrophic comics, you know, I was I was a consultant and I saw the, the inner workings and really got to see what the bills looked like. I wouldn't be a small publisher. Mm-hmm. It's too big a risk unless I could afford to lo- – it's sort of like gambling – um, being I could not do a print run of a book that cost more money than I was willing to set on fire right. because how do you get attention paid to you? And here we are. We're the people – we're some well, of the people people are asking for attention from. Go back to Comicsology is able to get their attention because they can just send them a link and say, hey, read it. They don't have to send them a book. They don't have to send them you – know. And I still – I mean, they send the stuff. And I very rarely have the moment, the time during the week to go – I mean, you know, Archie sends me stuff. And, and I – mostly I think that, like, a lot of the stuff that they send is probably not going to be – resonate with our with our readers. The right. horror stuff, definitely. but And the superhero – the Dark Circle stuff. But then on the other hand, I want to buy their books, you know, and, the, and, and I get busy. There's just so much. Um, how do they? How do you make an impact in this? I, I'm just saying I wouldn't be, and I've said to a couple creators, we, we've talked to the guys from Rickety Stitch, you know, uh, Ben Costa. I've talked to him a couple times and said, find a publisher, don't self-publish, and if you, and, and it's got to be somebody big who's in the front of the diamond catalog because unless you have a huge, huge following already which i think they do have a decent one and it's well, if you good, have a decent one then you have a chance to get your foot in the door you have you, you have a chance you could and there are probably people you could kickstart and they would support yeah your first volume i mean but the reality is tom mandrake and john ostrander were the ones i just that i just supported as well and i ran a little piece on fanboy planet about these are the guys that did one of my absolute favorite runs of comics ever which was the specter back in the in the 90s um, you know, great. I think it's being reprinted. Not as the is it the Wrath of the Spectre? Um, and DC's collecting it finally into trade paperbacks, and it's a, a fantastic arc. Which was like Planet Hulk is like once that was done, there was no need to ever have a Spectre story again. But DC had to because they had a trademark they had to keep alive. But yeah. their run, their run was so seminal, was so perfect. But they have to kickstart their next thing, even though these guys are like, well, John Ostrander, for God's sake. There's a movie being made that would not be made if it wasn't for John Ostrander, which is Suicide Squad. I, that book would not be part of the New 52 if there hadn't been residual love for his version in the 80s, which rethought the concept right. and, may, and was so incredibly well done. You know, But that's the reality. These giants of the industry, if Jack Kirby were alive, he'd have to be kick, you know, kick-starting his latest thing. And a lot of them... It- Doing a Kickstarter is not necessarily because you've been kicked to the ghetto. It's because now you have control. Yeah, no, I, I understand can, that. You can get a bigger piece of the pie of publishing your own book. But I wouldn't just start one. I mean, Kickstarter is, yeah. is the way. But on the flip side, I know that I have friends that are creators that don't like that at all. Say, you know, you should take your risk. It's, it's yeah. not honorable. Yeah. Um, 
I won't name names. But we should uh, but let's wrap it up. We should wrap because we're done. If you've got any questions, comments, compliments, commentary, criticism, write into editor at fanboyplanet.com. Listen to us on iTunes, Stitcher app, or www.fanboyplanet.com, where you can find an Amazon link and a PayPal link if you'd like to help support Fanboy Planet in its efforts to talk late into the evening. The way you we- can you hear the crickets in the background? I can. I hope they're not bored. Uh, <laughs> this is a sad. Co- it's because it's hot. Uh, <laughs> so, anyway, ah, uh, uh, we will be recording again live in about two, two or three weeks. I think there's again. I think there's a series of vacations happening, um, and. Uh, but we do have some more content from Comic Con as more well as headed your the way. upcoming Car Cast 2015. I'm so excited, and uh, so uh, until we meet again, I'm Derek McCaw, editor in chief of FanboyPlanet.com, and I'm Rick Brett Snyder, reminding you to use your powers only for good. Thanks once again to the great Luke Ski for use of his music in this podcast. Visit Luke Ski at www.thegreatlukeski.com. The power of brains compels you! Reply to other paper. It's. <laughs> <laughs> this game, it's sad. That's, that's what I got. I've got some standards. You should definitely yelp that. <laughs> Sorry, Hyatt, one ply. Seriously, that's a pretentious tweet. It's 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 the twenty first century. We're cleanly now. No. Okay. So we're ready. I think so. I think we are. Okay, take two. Ready? I'll probably be saying this. Like, Did we already say this? It's like. <laughs> This is the alternate universe version. We can we can admit that I lost the. It's the Earth Two version of episode. <laughs> We're slightly out of phase. Three. <laughs> Excuse me. I'm gonna get a oh, get a lozenge. I'm gonna get come a back sounding like a weirdo. In three, two, one. Listen up, fanboy. It's the Fanboy Planet Podcast. And here he is, your host. I'm going to do that again. <laughs> just I go to... through it. Just just do it. Okay. Just roll with it. And I think, I just say this, because I think Nate says fanboys. You say singular, I think he says plural. I don't usually think people are listening <laughs> in groups. I don't agree. I'm, I don't think so either, but he's listening to fanboys. Okay. That's been his thing. So, All right. But when we write it, it's listen up fanboy. Yeah, but I think he's just, I don't know. Say it okay. singular. Say it singular. Okay. It's your thing. That's how we know the difference. Yeah. Because otherwise you and Nate sound exactly alike. Exactly alike. Three, <laughs> two, one. Listen up, fanboy. It's the Fanboy Planet Podcast. And here he is, your unique, singular, and one-of-a-kind host, Derek McCaw.